Welcome back to the Just a Ride podcast. Here we are with episode 23, and I am surrounded by my two very venerable associates. The P-Bar, the Bear-Bar. Next on Book and TV. And I am, as you know, the Pooh Bar. Pooh Bar. <laughs> You're fucking <laughs> killing me. Michael Jordan. Gave me the, Here we go. Gave me the bumpies, bro. It is, yeah. So 23, <laughs> that's uh, what Michael Jordan. It's Michael Jordan. I've been informed. I'm, it, I'm a fucker for not knowing. Sports things make yeah. all of the, the memorable moments 20, in our life. 23 Sorry. is my number. Yeah. Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Starting at God. 6'6 six, six from North Carolina. <laughs> that was a good time in our lives. I miss Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Yeah. He was, uh, I mean, he's alive still, but I miss him playing on Christmas. Remember every Christmas, people are like doing stupid shit, and you're watching Michael Jordan. You're like, no, I worked on this. Christmas. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> the two big things I remember about Michael Jordan are that he retired and then didn't retired and then didn't and mm-hmm. retired and then didn't. And he played baseball. Yeah, and I, I heard that. Didn't really care. And <laughs> that uh, wasn't what he's going for. And I know him also probably Space arguably Jam. more than that. For well, yeah, Space Jam. That's okay. fair. That's fair point. But for that fucking clip of him going, stop it. Oh. Get some help. <laughs> <laughs> he is a very memeable man. Very memeable. The crying Jordan. The there's a lot of memes mm-hmm. for him. Yeah, <laughs> and I took that personally. Yeah, I know. I love. I it. can see it in your eyes. There was no, the that's ga- a meme. The gambling too, Jordan too, but I don't really know a whole lot about that either. Yeah, well, he had an interesting life. That guy. I've been watching like a bunch of NBA basketball videos, like documentaries of like people that trash talked. Like Larry Bird was a people probably don't know probably a lot of basketball fans know, but he was just a huge trash talker. And a lot of people think of him as like, oh, he's this you know real nice gentlemanly type. It's like, no, he was the worst. He was just a shit talking machine. From what I understand from people that have been passionate about MJ and have talked to me about him in his career, he was one of those guys that was like all or nothing. Like he's like you you dedicate to this, and if you're going to oh, yeah. be the best, then you eat, sleep, and breathe it, and anything that distracts you from it gets axed immediately. I no think, no regrets. He's like know, a poster right? child for hard work. Right. He, him and Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And I think Kobe probably learned from watching Michael Jordan. Or Michael And Michael Jordan probably learned from watching Dr. J. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> yeah, he was the guy that's like after winning the NBA championships, the next day he's out shooting hoops and running miles and stuff. He's like, I got to win the next one. Mm. It's like, all right. I have a hard time getting out of bed just because. Yeah. You know? And he's like, no. <laughs> right. I, I completed my goals. Now more. It's just different kind of folk. Well, actually, who was so. the guy that they're the trainer that they worked with, uh, Grover. Cleveland? Great president. Not a great president. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. For it's like, <laughs> no, I'm Did trying. he play basketball? <laughs> no, he wrote a book, actually. It's a pretty good book. <laughs> but now I can't remember it, of course. Fuck, right. Speaking of books, you guys ever looked into the real life of Ernest Hemingway? I know a little bit about his Dude, life. that guy lived as an opposed insane to his fake life. life. Yeah. You know, like, outside of his literature, like his actual life. Yeah, he did live an insane life. Like uh, Tim Grover, by the way. Tim Grover. Uh, Oops, I just turned it on. <laughs> Turn that shit off! This is like, you're that guy in the movie Push theater the right now. <laughs> Push the proper button, damn it. Fucking Apple. I forgot people, what we're man. talking about now. That's how that's <laughs> Fucking iPhone users. No respect. You know, sir, this has been a point of contention for you and I for years. All right, so welcome to JAR 23. Uh, we got a whole bunch of things to talk about as usual. Yeah, and more we than had, we could handle, perhaps. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, as you guys know, we have a Patreon, and thank you guys for signing up for that. That's Dude. awesome. It's fun to see. Uh, we're going to use that money wisely, I hope. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll probably do a little bit of gear We're first. We're spending but... most of it on toothpicks, let's be honest. Yeah, toothpicks. <laughs> toothpicks that we can't get in the United States yeah, right now. That's even, right. I don't well, even have a horse in this race, and I'm still, I know. He's, I know. He's sad Just for keeping it. it real. I'm almost out of all the toothpicks yeah. I bought. I bought a bunch, too. But back on the Patreon thing, dude, I'm... I'm actually legitimately blown away if I can take a moment of seriousness like you guys that have we we talked about our Patreon what once twice yeah. just quick little hey we we have one now yep. it's got nothing on it so far because <laughs> we're, we're yeah we're getting there it will but it's gonna be a fun but place. man it's just been an outpouring of, of fucking support from a whole bunch of you guys so fucking we talked about this a little bit before I mean we started just setting up this little play date really mm-hmm. it's like we want to talk. We need a reason to talk because we're also damn busy. Uh-huh. So let's throw some microphones in front of our face and see what happens. And then we decide, well, let's put it out, see what happens. And yeah. and then so now here we are. an excuse to hang out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. an excuse to hang out. And it's like, oh, I get to talk. And what I'm finding out is, no, actually, people are coming into my life now because of this show. It's like, wow, I'm actually meeting people, some really cool people out there. It's pretty awesome. It is cool. The world, so I love the world does seem a little larger since we started or smaller doing this or well, bigger. Well, I guess, yeah, smaller, but yeah, circles larger, world smaller, I guess is what I'm going for. <laughs> okay. I word sometime good. But, you guys uh, have to carry me today. I'm exhausted, so fucking. But yeah. I was. I've been sick all I week. Some stupid. Uh, th- I know I didn't 13 post. 13 seconds, so. I didn't post it on Facebook that I was sick <laughs> to everybody. We didn't so, know. But, but if you didn't know, I was sick. So right. feeling pretty good today. So we're all getting sick. I might or may not lose my voice. I didn't even know you were sick. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, I know. I didn't, I didn't tell anybody. You know why? I was too sick. Yeah, you told me talked to me yesterday or two days ago and you're like yeah i've been sick for a week i'm like are you serious yeah. <laughs> what the hell, bro? i had a fever for seven days that sucked yikes yeah well welcome back to the world yeah feels good feels good, good to get out of the house so, yeah well now tell us a police story actually we were still talking patreon you got anything else you want to say about it we get we're, stuff's coming up yeah uh and we'll, we'll mention the patrons at the end the patrons yeah patrons we'll we'll, 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 we'll do that thing we'll rattle we'll do that thing that all the cool podcasters we're gonna do the cool we're just gonna read a bunch of your names (laughs) and give you a little and we're probably gonna butcher 85 percent of them shaden has to read them i'll read them you read them i'll do a bad job i've butchered quite a few names i'll be very proud of the poor job that i do (laughs) but join us on patreon and we will uh we'll promise to make it worth your while and i we may fail at that, but yeah. we'll do our best. If you like imaginary hand jobs, then you'll be. Good <laughs> I'm giving to you go. one right now. Yep. Enjoy Can it. Can you feel it? Enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. That's all you get. Sorry. If we make eye contact, that's up to you. That's up to you. All right. Now, it snowed like a motherfucker the last few days here in the Spokane area. A bit. Yes. And that triggers your story for the police story. Yeah. For that reminds me of the good old days back in 2008, law enforcement. And this was up in your old neighborhood that you grew up in, the Ponderosa area. Okay. Uh, Back at this time, I was working swing shifts, so it was pretty early. It was 2 o'clock is when I came on to work, and the first call was, snow's coming down, there's three burglars going house to house to house up on the Ponderosa. Eesh. That's it's not how it used to be, I tell you what. It's a, that's a nice place. Yeah, it was... <laughs> oh, well, the old pondies doesn't really normally downhill. Yeah. <laughs> it's one, kind of a, one crime spree, and I can't even look at it anymore. He's kind of an uppity little place. <laughs> Zach grew up in a nice area. Let's I did. Just say that, that was like the least nice of places. My Except for the garbage cans. Psycho. That wasn't very nice. But, but okay. anyway. How dare you? Uh, these three guys <laughs> were going house to house, hitting these houses. And uh, me and uh, another deputy... We get up there at first. He ends up talking to the first victim, starting to get information. When we, then he get then we get another call. There's a burglary two houses down. So he goes down and starts talking to them. Well, then we get a third one. So now we realize that we're actually following him. And then he starts seeing the footprints finally in the snow. So 
I'm more down towards it's hard to explain because he's up on top of the hill I stayed down at the bottom which it would be Schaefer okay. which would you would know right by yeah, yeah. Dish from Micah so I just kind of stayed in this group of trees because essentially they were working their way down down the road to me so he went up was just trying to contact the victims as we go then he started following the foot tracks well soon enough I see them they're out in the open and the snow's coming down so fast that their tracks are already starting to are starting to fill up or while he's following them okay well they have to come across an open area about 200 yards so here they are trying to walk through snow that's already above their knees trying to carry all this shit that they have and they're and i'm <laughs> watching them hiding behind a tree and they're just dropping stuff their hands are just loaded with all this crap and they're just dropping stuff as they're going falling down and they are exhausted they get they're gonna hide in the line of trees that i'm in and they finally get there and they kind of settle down and i pop out and I'm like hi guys <laughs> and they're too tired to even just oh, they, they're like all we're right. done we're done so yeah i got them down here and i had two pairs of handcuffs so i just cuffed all three of them together what a weird day to be like and, you know what we should do steal we should go out it was a bad day it's like you knew we were gonna fall running tracks. through snow like but they were actually snow. that's like that's conflict. like running through knee-high water yep. but it's frozen <laughs> it's not easy to no. run through. Honestly, snow. it was Tired. a it was a good idea as far as it was tough to follow their tracks because it was getting snowed up so far. But we figured it out anyway. End up catching these idiots. My my car initially is at the top of the hill. I had walked down to the bottom, so now we've got to walk up the hill in this damn snow. <laughs> so here I am, parading these guys all the way up this hill, and it's you know probably a quarter mile walk where I got to go to the first side road. And I get him up there, and it's me and my partner's car are, are parked on this side road. Partner being the other guy that showed up. Mm-hmm. And it has, and this is Crown Vic days. There was so much right. snow that we were stuck in the snow. Ugly we couldn't cars. get out. Ugly so now what do you do? You got three guys in custody. You got to get them to jail. You can't drive your Crown Vic because it's a couple feet of snow. <laughs> so I did the best, the next best thing. I unhandcuffed all of them. I hand them all stop and slow the stop slow paddles you know that yeah you do for traffic those things are amazing for getting snow out particularly when you're not the one that has to do it that makes sense yeah. all three of them grabbed stop slow paddles <laughs> they dug your car <laughs> dug our cars out of the snow <laughs> cuffed them back up to take them into jail well fucking hell. <laughs> and i'm sure i probably would have gotten in trouble if anybody had done that but you it know, was resourceful it was teamwork yeah I, I saved the department money from having to get tow trucks you all us. were going into the same place for yeah. different reasons but you worked together and yeah. you got it done yeah you worked with what you got now so recovery of the property was not easy <laughs> there was property buried under that snow the whole time because oh, really? we well we got six feet of snow that day. Oh, wow. I think it was. This yeah, was in yeah, yeah. Twenty eighteen. No, two thousand eight. Yeah. Two oh eight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Two oh eight. So I was, I was eighteen at the time, and I was still driving back and forth from British Columbia to here to visit my mom on certain weekends, That's and I came down. I came down for that in my little fucking Toyota Tercel, my ninety five Tercel, the old tryhard itself, <laughs> and. uh I mean, I was up in British Columbia. It's like if there was that much snow down here, there was a jillion more guaranteed yeah. more up there. And I'm just used to it, you know, because I live in it. And so I'm coming down here to Spokane, which I'm very familiar with Spokane. It was half my life for most of my life. But <laughs> going down uh, Highway 2 and people are just crawling, you know, like 20 miles an hour with their four ways on. And I'm in my Toyota with my music blaring my windows down, just like, what? 
65. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it. That drive is pretty crazy. I used to go up to yeah. Nelson, uh, and then when I did some touring, did you go I came up through Cusick and Medellin and Ione? Which yes. way did you go? Or did you uh, go up through Newport? No, uh, a couple times we went through Newport. Yeah. I know that. The Cusick Medellin way is, know is pretty gnarly in the wintertime, especially when you get close to the border. There's all those tight switchbacks as you're climbing up. I pissed off. I was like, we were under 21 because we went up there to drink. Of course. It was 19, right? Yeah. So I must have been 19. And I pissed off a trucker so bad. It was like the, the first and last time I ever did anything like that. It was wintertime. And I, when you're young, you're just like, snow can't hurt me. I don't know why. But anyway, I just would drive stupider than I would now. Obviously, it makes sense. But I cut this guy off going down like a hill. Because I was just passing people and I had friends in the car. And I'm like, ha, 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 let's, uh, let's entertain the friends. And da, da, da. <laughs> And that guy followed me for like noticing a pattern with you and trying to kill your friends in your vehicles. Dude. <laughs> there was a lot of uh, lucky moments, and for real. There's a couple of people that listen to the show that are like, "Yeah, he tried. To, he almost killed us like six times." <laughs> Whoops. I uh, that they, same they stretch of, of road. I was coming back in a snowstorm, and it was. Uh, remember my buddy? I told. I said that I kind of like I played at his funeral mm-hmm. after he died, and I thought I saw him behind my couch yeah, later that night, as opposed to before he died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, pre-funeral. Yeah, you know, sometimes you gotta. It's the emo generation. pre-game. Get ready I'm, for in it. In case I'm not there, <laughs> let me do this for you. Um. And I was driving home from that and it was night and it was snowing like a motherfucker. And I was just like emotionally just done with everything by this point after playing at his funeral and shit. Like I was like, I just want to get home, go to bed. He's like, I got to work and I'm, I'm, I feel raw and -hmm. I'm following this guy and he's going so, even for the snowstorm, he's going so fucking slow. And it was a bad snowstorm. I couldn't see what even kind of car it was. I was just like, (laughs) so you were an asshole. I was like, I was like this motherfucker. I wasn't tailgating him. I was just pissed off that he was going slow. But then uh, I finally, like, I thought, I knew that road really well, so I thought this corner I was coming around was right before a straight stretch, and I was like, I'm passing this guy, dude, there's nobody here, I would see their lights, you know, like, I'm just gonna go and get on with my life, so I passed this guy while I'm still on the corner. And uh, it was a cop, and of course he pulled me over. (laughs) (laughs) asshole. I was was like, so he pulled me over, and... uh, he's like what the hell like he was mad he was like what the hell are you doing like what were you thinking that's a corner like it wasn't the straightaway that i thought it was you know and i was like i told him i was like i know i was just you were going really slow (laughs) (laughs) you pissed me off and i told him i was like i just was up there i played my buddy's funeral and i just really want to get home and i couldn't i didn't even realize that you were a cop and i don't know if it would have changed what i did if i'm being honest and i was like but i was like he's like super pissed off i was like you're right it wasn't safe you know you can give me a ticket if you want i'm sorry and he, was like, <laughs> he gave me a break he let me go but he followed me on my ass the that's whole rest of the way now. and made me go slow that's too <laughs> like it took me an extra hour to get home he followed you he followed you only, me. that road you only, only didn't get one yeah, place yeah. you only didn't get a ticket because he didn't want to go back out in the snow probably <laughs> yeah that's fine I'll but that's two it. stories you've told I'll us where it. you know two for two the, the police officer was like hey. it's it's the hair i just flip it and <laughs> give get a little out of lash <laughs> flick them lashes so not an overly exciting uh police story but it was funny that they uh they can't all be fucking toughy no, bro no, or a guy eating his unburied, eyeball unburied my my car for <laughs> i think me. that's great and, and it's, it's fitting for the snow it's pretty funny i, I have you. an i have an ignorant question most people do. That I, the best kind. That I could just look up, but you're sitting right here and it just occurred to me. I'll see if I even have the answer. You do. So <laughs> there's one sheriff per city? County? County. county. Per county. Yes. Uh, what's a precinct? Is that like multiple police stations in different zones of large cities? 
Well, well, a precinct is just a, a, a station, so to speak. It's just a different name so for like, a station. So there's the Valley Precinct that is in Spokane Valley, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's actually the sheriff's office is contracted. The, the Valley contracts with the sheriff's office, so it's deputies that run out of the Valley Precinct. Hmm. So it's just designated More to the Valley. Is, is every cop that's not the sheriff just a deputy? Am I a deputy? Yeah, 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 it's a deputy sheriff, yeah. I see. Yeah, okay. so I, the sheriff is my boss, and I am his deputy. Got so it. one guy yeah. gets elected, and 500 other guys get a, a job. I that was it. all for me. He if gets anybody elected else out there and, and uh, <laughs> decides who's going to work for him or has a team who decides who's going to work for him. Hmm. But, yeah, where city is not an elected official, it's... You know, it's a selected, not yeah, elected yeah. police. Right. Yeah, the chief, the chief of police. Right, right. Yeah, that was right. going to be they, my next they question. Can get rid What's of the, the difference between a chief and a sheriff? If if they don't like the chief, they can get rid of them. If you don't like the sheriff, there's you a lot more that goes into yeah. that mm. because yeah. it's elected official. I think the police, the sheriff, is the only constitutional law enforcement uh, that we deal with. As far as that, I don't know what the fuck right. I'm talking the, about. Sheriffs used to only do civil work. They would only serve civil paper Mm. i I don't know exactly when they got into actually enforcing law Hmm. but it was primarily for serving paperwork originally all of our ancestors were drunk so that's why that things were the way they were before and now they are now because we're not drunk i guess i just assumed that the sheriff's primary job function was uh quick drawing in the street in the middle of town <laughs> just every day, like, God damn, I don't feel like it today. These young kids and their fucking quick fingers. <laughs> All right, let us move along now to our. Uh, Jeff brought us this cool thing 10 Hard Truths by Mark Mason. And you shared them with us before the show. They sound interesting. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna unpack them. Is that the plan? I think that's the plan. That okay. is the plan. First right. off, and who is Mark Mason? Now? Mark Mason wrote uh, two books that I've read, and one of them is the subtle art of not giving a fuck, and followed by everything is fucked, and okay. they're both really good books. Oh, those are the ones you talked about. Yeah, before, I actually like yeah. the first one better uh, as far as reading goes. It's a little more entertaining. Is it a little more subtle? <laughs> it's much more. Subtle. <laughs> Hence the title. Uh, anyway, I just I just like the guy's brain, and uh, I had run across a post that he had made, and I thought it was pretty cool. And it's uh, ten harsh ten harsh truths that are hard to accept. Okay, let's see if we can accept these. All right. So number one, life will never be perfect and never free from pain, no matter how much you try. I don't accept bullshit. It. <laughs> Everything's been great <laughs> all the time. Everything is amazing. You know what is really hard is I'm looking for my glasses because I can't see. Oh, I found them. Look there you go. Well, so, I would say uh, not a whole lot to break down that on that. That's an than, easy one to accept. I think. Yeah. I, 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 Fine. It's a fact. Sometimes we wish it wasn't <laughs> true, but it's just the way. I guess because we constantly try to make our lives problem-free and pain-free. But not a single person listening to this has experienced anything close to no that. because every but how many times do we go in life if just this could happen then everything's going to be okay right. well that thing might happen then you got six more things behind that that you got to fix that's just life that's what's fun about life and we forget that the challenges of life are what make life enjoyable sometimes it's not fun to go through but when you're done if you can look back and go fuck that sucked yeah. but you know what i'm better because of it that's good to try and that's be the goal right it's good to try and be okay when things aren't okay. That's the goal, right? I think I actively try to make my life harder on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys, difficult settings continually. Plus one, plus one, plus one. Well, and I know you've always made fun of me because I'm like, all right, Zach. How dare you? This is what I'm going to do. 
I know it's probably going to end up this way <laughs> because that's statistically how it's going to go. But if I can get anything different than this, then I won. I'm probably still going to lose. But if it's not this end result, I'm good with it. So we all have masochism in common. Yeah, that's what absolutely. we're basically. Uh, number two, the past is unchangeable. Stop thinking about it and move on before you regret the time you wasted. I, how do you do that? Yeah. Well, that, I mean, you can. You can. It's hard. It's it's something that I constantly work Turn on. Turn your brain it's, a little bit. It's another one of those things that the more you focus on not doing it, the more you're going to do it. <laughs> you kind of you kind of just have to replace that by focusing on what's ahead of you. I think it would be would be my answer to that. I mean, but then focusing I don't, on what's I don't I, think I don't think I'd go so far as to say forget about the past because obviously, like the yeah, history is a naval so. teacher, you know, yeah. and you, you, that includes your personal history, but not living your life based upon unchangeable characteristics of your past. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I th there's a ton of wisdom to that. I, yeah. I think it's good to acknowledge things that happen in your past, particularly if they're bad things. So mm -hmm. you don't make the same, same mistake again. And obviously we, or if they're good things, you're like, Ooh, I should do that some more. Right. Yeah. Or, or yeah. learn from it. Right. <laughs> but yeah, usually, what, usually in what he's talking about, I think are the negative things we sit there and he's talking about regrets. Yeah. So acknowledge what happened, but, at some point, you do have to move on or figure out how to get past that. Well, when do you one forgive the... yourself or forgive people in the past? I mean, that's the point, right? It's Not, you look I, back and you're like, ah, fuck it, whatever. Yeah. So and, and I think forgiveness that... is just for you anyway. You know, yeah. like nobody else cares if you forgive them. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Even I if they say you. they do, yeah. that's kind of that. That point reminds me of one of the better lines from uh, the Vikings, the show. Uh, Ragnar, Ragnar Lothbrok is like in a boat with his sons and his sons looking back at the village and they're leaving, you know, and they're not going to be back maybe ever. It doesn't, you know, could die. And uh, Ragnar is all in one of his moods and he goes, stop looking back. You're not going that way. <laughs> but it was like very framed, like philosophically. And the music you know, was, was like, like ah, that's good. Way to go, Ragnar. <laughs> I don't quite understand this one. Maybe you guys can break this down for me a little bit better. It says your thoughts are less important than your feelings and your feelings need acknowledgement. Eh. Sounds is like that, some hippie bullshit to me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. So we needed you're, something for okay, number three. So hold on. Your thoughts, your, thoughts, yeah, let's are, your thoughts are less important than your feelings? Yeah, I don't I don't understand that one. I don't know that I agree with that. We'd have to have him explain it, I think, to yeah. see where he's coming I from. I mean, I agree with the second part that your feelings deserve acknowledgement. Like, that's true. We've talked about that. Like feelings, you feelings, them, feelings serve a purpose. Well, yeah, nobody gives a shit about your feelings if they're not you. But yes. your feelings do serve a purpose for you. I mean, that's yeah. kind of they're they're a catalyst for a lot of shit that ends up being action. So and but, they, but your thoughts, your anyway. thoughts are the regulatory part of that equation. Yeah, they trigger the. So are you? Are we ourselves supposed to acknowledge our feelings more than our own thoughts of our feelings? I, I don't know. That yeah. one's got me a little tripped up. I don't, know, up. I don't know what that means. What's this guy's name? Mark Mason. I don't know about that one, Mark. Not, not today. <laughs> You're going to have buddy. to come on just to ride and explain it for, for all of us. He's like, uh, yeah, I have an eight jillion. I'm uh, sure. I'm sure you're out there listening. I was, yes. I was being quick. Everybody tag him all, on Twitter. All podcasters <laughs> listen to other podcasters' podcasts because they're not busy at all doing their podcasts. <laughs> uh, number four, your talent means nothing without consistent effort and practice. I, I, I agree with that. Seems yeah. pretty yeah, self-evident. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, if you're good at something, don't just, just don't take it on the fact that you're good at something because most things, most things that are talent, um, you might be able to do it, but I'll take somebody with less talent and more effort to work because they're going to be better than you if you don't do shit over time. Too. Yeah, time. it but. is an interesting, that's, that is an interesting thing, especially if you're, uh, 
pursuing a skill like for me the relatable ones music because that's just the skill I've pursued my whole life but I definitely had some innate talent for music so I was predisposed to do well at it mm-hmm. to a certain degree but there are tons of motherfuckers out there that are way more predisposed than me and you can tell the difference even between them I've surpassed some of them that I know in my personal life because I've chosen to work at it on top of it and there are people that started out more talented than me that also worked way harder than me and it's like we're not even on the same planet you know so like yeah don't, music's I, funny like I, that. I guess what i'm taking from that and you can tell me if you think i'm on the right track is don't don't let the fact that you have talent keep you from putting in the the work the work because yeah. you're yeah you, a talent doesn't make you great it just means you can do something but you can definitely get better right and if you have a talent and you're not working on it you're wasting it mm-hmm. i think yeah well and there's so much talent in the world there really is a ton of talent there's so many that's that's part of why so many people are angry in the second half of their life is it's like uh we see this in the music world where you know middle age you're not a rock star and you know there's a lot of people that are like but i'm fucking good and there are people that are really good and it's like what did i do wrong it's like nothing you didn't do anything wrong you're just living your life you're not you're not the one in a million i guess it's okay (laughs) But, well, and in part of that, that there's and they some, also didn't work hard in some of the, some cases, but some of them did. That's the thing. There's that's why I think some people are real cynical. Where it's like, I worked hard, I did all the right things. Well, it's a then, weird thing because uh, my next question for those people would be, did you work hard to the detriment of the people that would have helped you get further? Right. Like, did you put them by the wayside on your journey of becoming better? Because that's a weird that's a weird thing. Because there is merit to that. Like mm-hmm. if somebody is not is not conducive to you trying to get closer to where you're trying to be, then it makes sense to, you you know, limit your exposure to them or sometimes cut them out of your life. But at the same time, if you want to achieve any sort of notoriety or have an audience, you have to not cast everybody out of your life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and really you need a good balance anyway, just for a decent life. So you don't get lost in your own bullshit. Yeah. Takes me to number five. Number five. Um, I don't think people are going to like this, but it's, it's true. Nobody cares how difficult your life is, not even your best friends. That doesn't mean that your friends don't care, but they don't care to the extent where your problems become their responsibility. Right. They might be able to help you here and there. They're definitely going to listen to you. But at the end of the day, it's your problems. You're the one that has to fix them. It's hard I, to- might, I might be able to help, but I can't do it for you. I think it just makes reasonable sense in, in you know that's another we like we talked about manufactured empathy you know pretending like you care about things more than you actually are capable of caring about them it's like i if you guys are having a hard time of course i fucking care but your hard time doesn't affect me like my hard time does so my hard time matters more to me because it's a more imminent problem that's and your <laughs> causing hard time more harm. matter more to you right well, and we don't know what each other's going through. Not really. We know what we tell each other. Yeah. And that's all. And the the inside stuff is even too hard to even explain a mm. lot of the time. Some that's of that, it. yeah, some of that shit just defies uh, being framed by words, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I'm curious to see if you like this one, Shaden. Oh, just oh generation. <laughs> being a realist about big things. Be a realist about big things. Life isn't a movie. You need to have a plan. It, it, seems, to, it seems to be my opinion... A lot of people want a lot of big things in life, but they don't really have a plan of how they're going to get there. Yeah. They just they just think it's going to develop by osmosis, I guess. I, I don't know. Again, this all is more... I think well, that's Show me true. a plan that's worked, I, though, I mean, as yeah. far as like step by step. It's good to have a, a framework and goals and stuff, but it's good to be fluid, too. Uh, 
life is just this weird ride where <laughs> well even something simple he said it he said, said the said name the of the thing uh i agree with i agree with both of those sentiments actually um i think that it's important the process of planning is more important than than the execution of the plan and what i mean by that is the getting into the habit of visualizing the steps between here and there or what they might look like of course it's going to change by the time you get there it's going to change hundreds of times probably if not more but if you never take the time to visualize and try to orchestrate something and like we've talked about fail forward then you're you're just going to plateau or you're never going to get started in the first place and it's like that thing isn't just going to magically come closer mm-hmm. on its own it's right or that that idea that notion that version of you that version of your life whatever you have to take steps and everything between here and there is darkness you don't see you can't see what it is but you can imagine what's out there and if you the more creative you are at imagining what could be between here and there the less shocked and derailed you will be when you run into some version of that out there even yes. if it wasn't the shape of what you thought it was going to be that's what it seems like these planning things and the goals and stuff it seems like it's not for your consciousness because your consciousness is like in the moment going yeah let's do it fucking a it's like for your subconscious that's going to be there five days from now when it's like well we got to wake up and do it mm-hmm. and and i don't know it feels like a lot of these things that we're trying to do is not not talk to what the passenger that's always awake it's like talking to the thing that's working while we're sleeping and pumping our heart it's like please stop smoking i want to stop smoking and the subconscious is like no we don't we really don't you don't know the processes this is great shit well, and then eventually your subconscious is like okay fine. I, I i think of it in terms of doing my future self favors and, and, <laughs> like I, and I, I get in i get into this i've been doing this thing for years now go. and i usually don't do it out loud because people will be like oh god fucking shaden's losing it but <laughs> but i'll like kid. when i run into something that was like way better because of something i knowingly did before like thinking oh if i ever have to do this or by the time i get around to this i'm gonna be really glad i did this before i got there and so i'll do this and i'll go ah, thanks past me yes. <laughs> well, we can even back <laughs> it up a little bit <laughs> do you guys know anybody who just like they're the type of person that can just like hey i'm gonna jump in the car and uh, just go to a random spot and you know i'll get there and whatever yeah. happens happens i am not that guy no, thank right, you right i'm, I'm not, not really that guy either. i'm all for adventure but it's like okay where are we going to go? Okay. You're Clark W. Griswold. You got it. No, it's not, it's not even Clark W. Griswold. It's usually I'm the person that's, I'm in charge of everybody usually where I go or I, you know, I spent a career doing that. Right. Right. So I had to have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, plan D, and they may all go to shit, but at least my brain is always trying to put something together. If this happens, I'm going to do this. If this happens, I'm going to do this. Jeff always has a plan on to kill everyone that he's around. When and I walk it's into really a room. weird when you're at Silverwood or something like <laughs> yeah. Disneyland. We're like, so, damn, you don't, Mickey Mouse isn't going to When you pull bring him to gun. pick up your kid so if you don't school. Know. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> if you don't know anything about law enforcement, pay attention to your local cop, buddy. When you take him out, the first thing he's probably going to do is walk into the bathroom and check it. Mm. When he goes in, and if you guys have never I figured that, that out, out but you know. when I walk in, I go straight into the bathroom. I, I, I might be seated first and then I'll go into the bathroom and I just have to I don't know why it's just a weird thing. Well, you camouflage it with your tiny bladder. Yeah, so are you just yeah. my Barbie if, bladder. Are you seeing if there's like a window in there you can crawl out of if you need <laughs> or to, or if there's anybody hiding with a gun. <laughs> the booger man. It's dumb shit. You know. Well, you do what? Uh, what they? Well, I think it's Tombstone or something, or or one of the one of the cowboy movies from the '90s where it's like 
uh, Hitch, Hickok. I'll uh, be your Huckleberry. <laughs> Huckleberry, bro. No, uh, <laughs> fight again. Yeah, but uh, basically, always have your back to the wall so no one can sneak up on you. I noticed that yeah. about you. Like when I first saw you, you're always in the corner. And All right. Well, I'm not even a cop, and I have that. Like if I'm ever seated I like at a it. restaurant with my back to the room, I'm like somebody's got to switch me. Dude, when I, I saw that this. movie, I was like, well, I'm a fucking gunslinger, so I need to have my back. To the wall. <laughs> you know? So that's what I thought for my whole life. Gunslinger like, in his own. Well, what I've learned over the years too is. <laughs> People that know me, to fight over it with but Jeff. didn't know that I was a cop first. Like up in Pierce is a great example, right? You know, I fit in really well there. Um, I, I mean, if pe- people haven't really seen me much, I kind of look like a shithead. You know, if I'm not in uniform, I look like I probably went to prison. Yeah, I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah. So they. <laughs> what they, does a shithead? But apparently, like? the way that I carry myself, I either look like I'm freshly out of the pen and on DOC or I'm a cop. It's, it's one or the other. There's a lot of similarities between the Show two. Show us that ankle bracelet, have, bro. Because you have to have that safety in prison, too. So it kind yeah. of made, made sense. Uh, anyway. All right. Are we on six, seven? Uh, Where are number we? Six. I don't even know. I'm lost. Be a realist about the big things. Life is... Oh, we just read that one. Sorry. Just to go We got it, dude. Lo siento. <laughs> realist. We've got a whole party, basically. Uh, Everyone changes, including you. Stop crying and complaining about it. Okay, that's I, also self-evident. I think I don't know. I I the changing. I thing. talk about change all the time uh, to people just in conversation because it's something that fascinates me. I love change, even when it's uncomfortable. I think change is fucking awesome. But it took me a long time to get to the point where I felt that way, and I understand. I understand why people get super uncomfortable with the the notion of change or change that is looming or changes that just recently happened. I get it because now all these, like you, you lose a degree of comfort, and uh, and it could be a positive and a negative change. I it, throw it that can, out. yeah, yeah. And I still, I just, I don't, I get super uncomfortable when things remain stagnant for any period of time and. That's probably due to some childhood trauma I haven't unpacked, but <laughs> but I but I think change I think is. change is good. It's comforting to me because I, I find myself when I'm going through a shitty situation, I'm like, well, can't stay this way forever. You know, every everything changes. Everybody changes. People will most likely disappoint you before you're done knowing them, and you'll just have to square with that. So you might as well just square with it right out of the gate. Yeah. I I think. Uh, so I don't know. All that is to say, I have this very friendly attitude towards change, and so when I hear people say like that, like everything changes, get the fuck over it. I'm like, I did, I'm over, I'm over it. I get it. Like my first thought on <laughs> that's this, good though. It's she... like, well, it's going to keep being that way. Yeah, that's the consistent thing. My yeah. first, my brain went straight to relationships. You know, yeah. what do you? Oh, they're, they've changed. Well, they change. They're a different person than when I met. Well, fuck yeah, they are. So are you. That's yeah. that's yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. And it's do those changes in life. Uh, are they cohesive with each other still or not? And most of the time, the answer is they're not. It's crazy watching relationships where people grow apart or grow together. If you're friends with them, if you're close with them, it's weird to watch how people will do that. Like, it's also weird to me to watch how people try to either deny their change or reject changes within themselves that are naturally occurring just because they don't want to rock the boat for their partner or their significant other. You know what I mean? Like they can tell that their, whether their viewpoint on something that they used to be passionate about is now shifted, but their spouse or significant others hasn't. And so they just kind of like repress that shit. And that stresses me out. Imagine all the big (laughs) beliefs too, where it's like, I believe we got together at church and now I don't believe in this church anymore. Or we got together at a political rally and now I'm on the other side. That's not to say that it's insurmountable, but 
damn, that's a fucking hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, know? as an atheist running around the world, like I, that I just piss people off. Yeah, right. I, as a guy that tells everyone he's an atheist, every hi atheist, uh, <laughs> shut up about it's like, it. Dude. I know, right? but it, it is like weird because you, I don't know. You, there, most people want to believe in religion. Even most atheists are like, I want to, but you just, I don't know. I mean, you grow apart from almost everyone that's that's follows their religious path because you know, as an atheist, you just don't spend any time on that, and they spend more and more time on that. I don't know. As you get older, it just becomes like I don't know. Depends yeah. on the person. Most and, most religions, uh, most religions, a, a prime tenet of it is the religion is the th- is the number one thing, right? Like this is God the path that you're on. Yeah. yeah, whether it's God or the path or the creed or the mantra, whatever it is, this thing is number one, and then everything else is secondary, tertiary, whatever. Yeah. And that seems like a really and it can be done i've seen it done in healthy ways marriages that are built around systems like that my parents would be a great example of that they have a fantastic marriage and and it's built around their faith and Mm -hmm. they make it work splendidly and i I, that astounds me because that seems in defiance of the odds Mm -hmm. (laughs) you you know what i mean and uh because it's like it's like oh so i'm gonna i'm gonna pledge myself to this one person no matter how they change for the rest of my foreseeable future and uh but they're still not going to be the most important thing in my life I'm like wow that's a such a crazy juxtaposition to me it is it is <laughs> it's hard to want to follow that but so i much, also but I like the i don't i'm not going to condemn it either because mm-hmm. i'd be a hypocrite because my my pursuit of art will always be more important to me than any relationship that i'm in yeah yeah it's <laughs> and, and i'm up front about that too anytime i start getting close to somebody romantically i'm like look you should know this about me i'm not I like trying my, to i would have I'm trying to lead you on doing heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like, <laughs> what <laughs> so it's just a crazy thing there's a fire and it's you and my guitar i'm pushing you into the fire and i'm grabbing the guitar no. i'm pushing you into the fire and saying grab it grab it <laughs> <laughs> you're mainly, you're mainly a water bag. You'll be fine for 13 seconds. Well, you know, anyway. I guess I can say I've learned that in my life, you know, intentionally changing in my life. And I've had people in my life that didn't change with me. So at some point you got to make a decision. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I'm changing and I no longer want this life anymore. Yeah. So I'm moving on. You can come with me or not make your decision, but we're different now and that's yeah. okay. But I, that seems to be a really bad thing in our society, but it's a pretty it's rational great. approach in my opinion. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it, it lacks a certain pizzazz in the romance department perhaps, but, <laughs> it uh, does. but it is very rational and, and functional, I think. And it's honest, most importantly. Yeah. So. Uh, number eight, uh, you can't please everyone might as well do what you want. Seems a little, Okay, the first part, great. The second part, he's just being cheeky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do what I want. I, I do I what I want. That, I okay, as means... somebody who professionally does what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> you don't just run around say. saying, ah, you just do what you want. I think that means, like, you don't have to be helpy helperton all the time. If you don't want to help somebody, don't, I guess. Right. Will you read it one more time? You can't please everyone. Okay. Might as well do what you want. Hmm. Right. I'd want to hear him talk about that. And, I want and more that on that. like a quote from something. Yeah. Once yeah. again, everybody tag this guy on Twitter. Tell him he's got to come on here and explain himself. If you want some exposure for your ideas, dude, you come on the Just Ride podcast and we'll expose you to uh, a bigger the, audience. The most massive audience in the world, obviously. The, last two. the largest audience that you've seen. <laughs> the last two I like. Uh, no one cares about your opinion until you show results. I All think right. that's very true. That is true on some level. Absolutely. absolutely yeah. you got to prove it. 
uh, for anybody who can give a fuck what you have to say. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of times, I or mean, you can we just shout it really loudly, like what we're doing. <laughs> no, like, no, I, I'm shit. Listen just, to me. Just yell it I into a microphone, things. and then tell your friends to listen to it. You don't have to say it to their. <laughs> I don't want my friends to listen to it. There's my friends are sick I of listening to me. I they don't, don't this podcast. I actively don't tell my friends to listen <laughs> to our podcast. Not because I'm ashamed. There's several of them that just have stumbled upon it, and they're like, "Hey, I've been listening to your podcast." And I'm like, "Cool. Are Most we life, are we still friends?" Like, dude, I don't like listening to you talk anyway. You talk too goddamn much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you think I want to listen to you when you're not it just around? Fe- it feels weird, man. It already feels weird to me to like ask people to listen to my music like my friends like hey listen to my music know, it's just like it's like here will you read my diary yeah. and tell me what you think and so also like, judge the podcast me. seems like that but but worse to me you know it's just like hey will you you should listen to my podcast these are my friend inner thoughts a. that i'm saying randomly to three <laughs> people like, or to bro, two people i know don't and... i put enough effort into our friendship get up get the fuck out of here i gotta listen to you for two hours a week so, <laughs> that's how i feel but then i'm also like i do this five days a week so yeah it's like i can't imagine any of my friends listening to me yeah, i'm very sick of you dude it's <laughs> I am too. I am. I'm, I'm sick of me too. All right, number nine. Uh, this is number ten. I got ten. And this one's a big one. No one will clap for your hard work. Yeah. Everyone will clap for your success. Yeah, or your I've, or your demise. Yeah, your failure. Yeah, most people cheer. Sure. Most people hope that you fail. Yeah, and the people that want you to succeed are probably they still don't believe it until it happens. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. You got to put in the work and you have to have the faith in yourself and, and you've got to put in the time and the work and, period. And that's it. it would be good. I would add to that by saying it would be good or perhaps wise of you to just square with the fact ahead of time that also nobody's going to give a shit how much effort it took. You know, like they, they're not going to look at your hard work and go, holy shit, you had to work so hard. That's amazing. Like it might get said as a platitude, but I mean, just to put it in a very small, minute example, when you go as a musician and go play a gig, nobody gives a shit about the months of practice, the agonizing nights of writing the songs and perfecting them, the fucking up and having to change them, the hauling all the gear and organizing everybody's Mm -hmm. schedules, and the list goes on. And even as I'm saying this right now, I guarantee one of you fuckers out there right now is going, dude, dude, nobody cares, so get on with it. (laughs) Shut up. We don't want to hear about you hauling gear. Play the song. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So just... Creators know, though. Yeah, that's my advice is just fucking get over it. (laughs) Don't expect anybody to care. For sure. (laughs) Although it is nice when people care. Like when we did uh, Nightlife Network magazine for years and years, that was the whole point was like uh, these local folk do work hard, are talented, and and Mm -hmm. it is like... It's not. It was nice to be able to go out and talk to people and and talk to them about that kind of thing because they're like, no one has ever asked that. No one has any idea that you know. It's that thing where it's like I'm going to load ten thousand dollars worth of drums into a five hundred dollar guitar right. car to drive five hundred miles to make fifty <laughs> do, bucks. Do you, you do know? that a lot? Do you mix up the words guitar and car often? <laughs> I do. I do guitar that car all the fucking time, and I don't know why. They're both very like important. they rhyme, but they don't even have the same syllables. They have none of the same functions <laughs> except they can kind of both do music. I guess. Okay. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, weird right. aside. Yes. Cool. We tackled them. I think that's all 10 of them. Yeah, think, that was it. I, I think we sufficiently straightened him out. Yeah. <laughs> we need to hear him more often. And he needs to come on the show so we can help his podcast grow. Uh, now this is on you. This is the hard and soft. Me? Teach us about hard and soft. Hard yeah. and soft. When to be hard and when to be soft, I believe. Is right, what well, this I was is. hard until you asked me to take the spotlight. Uh, and now you're changing your child. Better be soft. Yeah, please. For the love of God. This is, a, this is meant to be philosophical. No, we no believe. fucking Balenciaga bullshit. When you're talking to your mom, be soft. 
Yeah, so <laughs> this <laughs> dick jokes aside, my dead mom is going to keep me soft for the rest of my yeah. life. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's thank watching you, you. Thank you for helping me. I used to think, you know, the the boner thing killed the boner thing. We were talking about that last week. It's like grandma on the toilet. Somebody said that when I was a kid. They're like, just think grandma on the toilet, and I did that, and it worked. So I'm like dead babies, dead babies. Oh, see, yeah, okay, that's more harsh. God, you guys are crazy. Mine was just baseball. <laughs> that's good too. Baseball was the first one I heard. That is better than. No, like, I get too excited on home putting runs. my poor <laughs> grandma on the spot in my mind yeah. where she's sitting in the toilet in my head the star of the show that's not good <laughs> i think i might be screwed up i i uh used to have really mad stage fright for like peeing when other people were around and uh i overcame it by imagining that people were cheering for me to do it like behind me get oh my god yes <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine I'm pissed it off smurf. <laughs> outweighs everything. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of mental gymnastics. Just yeah, well, you know, I didn't want to be the guy in the group of dudes when we make a pit stop on a road trip that's just like standing there for 10 minutes and like, dude, you could have just peed. And like, no, not until you guys leave. I guess I'm just standing here with my dick out. I was that way too. I was that way too. Like I, I, even when, when I was younger, I would turn the sink on so you couldn't hear me pee. I, yeah. like, I don't want people to have to hear my stream. I want people to know I go to the bathroom. Yeah, I have another exactly. buddy that's that way, cause, but it was done to him he told me this story in confidence which is why i won't drop his name but he t- he said he said when i was uh like a teenager i was peeing and the bathroom was not far from the living room it was like a door away that'd be a nightmare and i was peeing and like my whole family was over for some family function they and, said and, some and shit mid pee they were like we can hear you pee <laughs> he was like oh. and, it, and it was over and, yeah for, for the rest of his life dude, dude. <laughs> instantly okay. killed his stream yep so i got a little story too uh same kind of vibe i guess <laughs> more of us have that than than i thought yeah when i worked at time suck dan and joe or cunts when you go to the bathroom, <laughs> I mean, and, and you can I tell them zach stopped, i remember so. the pictures yeah, just, yeah yeah okay you've seen the bathroom pictures yeah. i took those uh <laughs> there was a lot of fuckery in that bathroom because one of the things that happens is the light just goes off after like a couple minutes you know i like to sit and have a shit you know so and i never do that because of this kind of thing, I'm a home pooper. I don't do <laughs> like shy pooper. public. Yeah, I am. I don't do public pooping. It's yeah. I am that Some Rick, Rick and Morty, Morty. <laughs> fucking reached my soul. But so Joe would fuck with me every once in a while, and he has no idea that I have this kind of phobia where I already don't trust people around the bodily functions. It's probably good because he would have done if it more. Known. <laughs> if he, if he would have known exactly. But Paisley, if I like, known. he would just fuck with us, and and but it was Dan that I was afraid of because Dan goes hard on his jokes. <laughs> <laughs> this is back to the hard and soft thing that we're going to get to. But he's he, committed. I, I the other thing about it is like poop shamers, where they like they come out of a bathroom and like somebody fucking killed it in there. Oh my god, what's wrong? You know that kind of thing. For some reason, as like a kid, their shit doesn't stink. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't think other people smelled as bad as mine, so I was like, I had that little phobia. But Dan would come back in the office every once in a while and be like, God damn, somebody just murdered that shit. And so I was like, I'm never shitting here because he'll judge my poop. And that was just the, my dumb brain. So I was afraid of Joe pulling jokes. I was afraid of Dan going too far with the jokes, and I didn't want to be poop shamed by Dan. Just so you guys know, Dan, time suck, poop shamer, and it makes you feel bad, and it's not nice to your coworkers. No, no, no. it makes you. It made me feel bad. I accepted. Nobody feel else bad. gives a shit. I accepted that I felt bad, and I well, went with it. Technically, everybody gives a shit, but it's uh, not These, as smelly as yours, right? Oh, I thought it was pretty smelly, but I liked it. You know, I'm like the opposite in that regard. I've I've like gone into a bathroom after it was quote unquote wrecked by someone else, <laughs> yeah. and then I also proceeded to add my wreckage to the pile. 
And I remember several occasions thinking, oh, fuck, what is wrong with that person? My shit doesn't stink nearly as bad as right. that. Because it's not mine. Right. It's like they, their diet is strange and their biology is, is unique and foreign. I don't like it. Oh, wow. That's a different ecosystem. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, exactly know when to be hard and when to be soft, boys. So all joking aside, uh, we've talked about uh, in past episodes, particularly as it pertains to men, but it applies across the board. Uh, you know, knowing that number one, it's okay to be, you know, vulnerable once in a while and reach out and, uh, not be okay. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking we should touch on the flip side of that, which is knowing when, like, because everything operates in balance, and you should know when you get to a point where you have to be, you have to harden up, you know, rub some fucking dirt in it, and and be hard on yourself in order to achieve the result that you need. Because uh, you can lean too far into anything. I mean, it's good to feel like you're able to be vulnerable, and you know, even even just with your internal dialogue, to. Uh, T- get cut yourself some slack yeah but i think it's equally as important to know when to tell yourself that you're being a little bitch and it's time to stop wallowing in it and step up and, and do something about it or lean into the suck a little bit in order to get through it and and change your circumstances uh, it ties into a lot of what we've talked about but i felt it was worth at least touching on it saying you know there's there's a value in recognizing that you can't just be one or the other you have to be both and you need to learn how to recognize yeah. when it's appropriate to so be how one do or we the re- other what's the signs of where you need to step up is it when you look at yourself like a victim maybe when you were saying that i was thinking like what when would be a time that i would be like oh shit i'm doing this to myself That'd probably be a good signifier. I think recognizing when the solution to the way that you're feeling is an adjustment in behavior on your part. Mm -hmm. If you're going, ooh, something needs to change for this to not be the case, that'd be a good time to stop whining about it and start sacking up and doing something about it. Mm -hmm. Well, generally, if something needs to change, the only thing that you have the ability to change is yourself or your your mindset about Mm -hmm. it anyway. Right. Well, in Stoicism, they say basically once you accept something as negative that's when it becomes negative. Your perception of the things is what torments you. So once someone wrongs you, you deciding to accept it as whatever wrong on face value it is, is you harming yourself. You deciding to understand it and be like, well, this person, they're living this weird life and they didn't mean to this, or even if they did mean it, they're, they had, if you go all the way back, they had bad parents, you can make it so it's like, <laughs> I don't even care. you know. And that's kind of the... Yeah, I, I kind of subscribe to that philosophy to a point, but... I it's also, hard to do, and it's I hard to rationalize. I also don't think it's appropriate to just constantly let everybody off the hook all the time either. That's why I think, it's hard I, to rationalize. I, I, think yeah. it's, I think it's important for people to be accountable, particularly to themselves, but you have to be accountable to the people that you are affecting with your actions too, mm-hmm. I, I believe. Yeah. And, and I think that those people have are well within their rights to go, dude, fuck off. <laughs> or or sure. stop doing that thing that you're doing, or, or or at the very least, hey, are you are you aware that what you did or what you're doing did this shit to me? Because <laughs> right. if you're not, then you should be, and if you are, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is like being hard with your friends too. Yeah, uh, there's a time for that. Like, I've always thought, you know, I have a, a lot of different kinds of people in my life, and a lot of them are very supportive in all the great ways. And then some of them are very honest. Most of my friends are very honest about things and they'll be hard with me in a sense, 
uh, when I need it mm-hmm. a lot of times. And that's like, when do you know that as a friend? Like sometimes you need a soft friend that's just like, shut up and listen kind of thing. And it's like, okay. But sometimes you need a friend to be like, no, you listen, fuck face. You're yeah. wallowing or you're doing this or you're making the wrong, you know. Yeah. What signs do you? It's good to be able to do that for your friends and it's also good to be able to learn how to take that shit from your friends too yeah. i mean it's a t- it's a two-sided Two equation game. obviously time, yeah. but but i mean you have to if you're on the receiving end of that i think you can tell when somebody's coming at you and they're not they're not coming at you sideways just for the sake of fucking you up or being an asshole to you but they're, they're, they give a shit, yeah right? it's like and you can tell when when they sincerely give a shit and they're being hard on you for your own good, or at least they believe that's what they're doing yeah. at the very least. Intentions you, you, matter. You can tell, case, yeah. but your your emotional knee jerk reaction to that can cloud your judgment of that too. So it's it's you, you have to do work on your own side of it on the receiving end to go to be able to recognize that and take it for what it is instead of clapping back and be like, "Dude, fuck you! Why are you why are you on my case?" You know? I mean, maybe like, we could go back as far as just you know adolescence growing up and your parents. You feel like your parents are on your ass constantly. Instead of being offended by it, maybe take a listen because yeah. maybe they're right. I mean, right. maybe they're wrong too, but at least should always listen regardless listen. <laughs> and then yeah. you can arrive at a conclusion <laughs> for, sure. for sure it seems like we all we often look at each other like we're not on the same team uh and it, maybe we're not but that's maybe why it's like i'm not listening to you because are you on my team yeah that's interesting i in my new life that i have now with kids involved you know i'm i'm, I'm in a role where i'm essentially parenting uh-huh. and uh and, and and trying to help these kids, and if there's ever a situation where it's like, you need to do this, and and, the, and there's resistance from the children, I will take the time. Like, look, I am, and I will tell them very specifically, I'm on your team because I want you to be successful in life. Mm-hmm. I need you to do this, and this is why. This is what it's going to teach you. This is the importance, and it's really awesome because these kids get it. Mm-hmm. But I also notice that I'm doing something different that I didn't get, and that's not just do this because I said so. You need to do this, and this is why. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that has a lot of value. I think that one thing you said in there is super fucking important: is is reminding somebody when you're giving them constructive criticism or coming down on them a little hard is like, look, I'm on your team. You I, know, yeah, like I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm behaving this way towards you because I have a vested interest in your success. I'm on your side. Mm-hmm. But you're not on your side right now, and exactly. you, need to, you need to step back and take a look at it. I said no. that to my son a lot. No, saying that to a five-year-old up. seems odd, but I'm telling you, it's they're not stupid. It's, what, it's super fucking important. Say. My dad did the same type of so shit with me. No, yeah. I did that with my son. Like yeah. it's like the reason why I'm saying this to you is because I, you're my, I want you to win in life, mm. and I'm seeing a place where you could lose. And I wish that my father would have said that because he was on my team as an older man. Now I know that he was on my team. He was trying to keep me alive. But he never said that. And it never felt that way because it was always this this adversity between the father and son in, in yeah. our relationship. He's trying to keep me disciplined and all these things. And it never... He was totally on my team. He was the, one of the only people in the world on my team. But it never felt that way. And if it would have just been that communication, like, dude, I am doing this so that you... And, you know, I'm sure he did, actually, when I think about it. My dad was really good at those kind of things. But I didn't <laughs> hear it, too. So I wonder, you know, while I was thinking about this, it's like, he could have said that, and I wouldn't have believed him, too. Because my my son, when I first met him, you know, stepdad, uh, 
I could say I'm on your team. I'll be your punching bag. Don't worry about it. But he didn't know me, so he didn't believe me. And I, I didn't really know my dad either in, in a lot of ways. And so I d- maybe didn't, wouldn't have believed him if he said it or, anyway. I'm so. just imagining baby Zach in a tough conversation with his dad. And his dad's <laughs> coming down on him. And little Zach's just like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on your team, you little shit. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> shirt's coming. No, thank you. Shirt's coming. By the way, guys, I have to tell you, I, I didn't tell either of you this. I designed some jar. Uh, I designed that Three Raven jar oh, logo. Did. Yeah. And then I did a, a reasonableness party. Yeah. I can't show you yet. I'll show you after at the end of the show. Okay. But, and then you I did fucking a fucking cock tease. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's going to be do blue again. But red, I white, and blue reasonableness party. What's that? I said yeah. I love a slow turn on. Oh, yeah. It's all we about still the got, foreplay. We still got time, too. We still got time. <laughs> But, Take uh, it easy with me. Just I think nice you guys like it. it. Looks we're going to look like Democrats and Republicans. I, I threw down. <laughs> oh, we are, oh, we're going to look just like them. <laughs> and we're going to fit in. Now I'm again. <laughs> I, I'm selling out. Is basically what I'm saying. And I'm taking corporate Son sponsorship. Of Bank of America. We'll take uh, Goldman Sachs. <laughs> but Chase. Yeah, we'll take them all. Let's go to credit union. Fucking I. Yeah, I would. You <laughs> yeah. know, but they just don't have the same kind of money. I don't think. So. All right, so hard and soft. Yeah. Yeah. No I mean, one. that's uh, it's fun to explore examples of it but it's pretty it's again kind of a pretty self-evident thing but it bears mentioning or at least reminding that you know there's times when it's okay to be soft be vulnerable and there's times where it's not and that's when you got to step up and i think in in dealing with other people but in your internal monologue too man like i'm probably excessively addict to myself on the inside I, yeah i am way softer with other people than i am with myself Me too. I, my expectations of myself are are unobtainable and that whenever too much whenever i tell whenever i tell people about that aspect of me except for jeff <laughs> <laughs> they're usually like dude fucking chill out go easy on yourself and i'm like no myself doesn't i know how to deal with myself he responds better to an ass kicking than a, than a gentle push <laughs> can i go back to when you lived with me and yeah. why you lived with me like you want me to move in again? No, no. Well, <laughs> that would be all right. Actually, yeah, you were the best roommate ever. Good old day. You were the best roommate ever. We made a song and everything. Well, a rhyme, yeah. kind of nursery rhyme. Oh, well, yeah, I don't think I'd be that telling you that in tell in a nursery. <laughs> um, but that was a huge reason why the situation that you're in. I'm like, dude, get your shit loaded up my truck. Let's go. Hmm. You're going to start a new life today because I knew that you would. Mm-hmm. I, I already knew the kind of person that you were and how hard that you worked and how hard you were on yourself. And you were at a spot like you were at your, you're done. Yeah. You're done with what's going on. But I'm like, I know that I can bring you into my world and you're going to do everything that you need to do every day to get your life. I'm going to teach you a song. Away. We're going to do push ups. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what happened. You're going to mow the lawn once a month. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. And you started working out. Day one. But yeah. yeah, because of your archetype of person and, and I know that you're hard on yourself mm-hmm. I knew that I could help you out a little bit and then you were going to take it and run and yeah. make something out of yourself and, and you did and I, I, I brag about it all the time mm-hmm. whether you know it or not it's a super thank you. you thank you dude and I appreciate that but uh, it's it's a super valuable thing and I think if I had to say lean a little harder one way or the other I would advise pretty much everybody to lean a little harder towards yeah. being hard on yourself internally yeah. but that uh, with a caveat with a limit with a caveat of saying you have to build trust with yourself at the same time because if you don't have a certain degree of trust with yourself and how you're going to be able to respond to that shit 
then you're just tearing yourself down constantly and that's not productive you right. know but if you can get if you can achieve this equilibrium where you can mentally kick your own ass when you know that you're doing shit that's out of line or isn't serving you well and without spiraling as a result you know being like oh you're right me how could you fucking go back to bed like that's <laughs> not that you're, you're not ready to be that hard on yourself if that's your response but uh but if you can achieve that that level of hey fucker get your ass out of bed and get to work now <laughs> it's like okay yeah you're right but you know what helps <laughs> but again you know what helps with that i mean again this is going to come up in 75 hard when when we start doing that yeah. it's going out and doing those uncomfortable things every day forcing yourself to do shit that you don't want to do every day so when you actually have to do it it might still suck but you're at least you're at least used to getting yourself uncomfortable and doing it anyway even though you don't want to mm. i'm getting wound up for 75 hard man i've been doing i've been like implementing things every week or so that are just like inching me towards just doing it that way it's not just like a total system shock i've had when, <laughs> start, when you get which, starting which again? i advise we're gonna start on what do you the mean when are, when are my... we starting it zach when are we all doing <laughs> <We're all starting? laughs> against my new year's resolution uh, situation we're gonna I, we're gonna change and we're gonna start it on the first on the first yeah i'm i'm, I'm totally good with that yeah. um, well you can have one year where you're like i never did a new year's resolution except for that one year in 2020 well what's nice is i know i'm gonna do it so it's like, well, fuck you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I fuck you, but fuck you, buddy. <laughs> I keep, I keep. Uh, all right, well, cool. be hard. Yeah, be hard, One of, but this, soft sometimes. This made me think of like, so it's like males when they're hard, to some people looks toxic. And I kind of wanted to, I don't know if we want to talk about that or not, but oh, we can. the whole idea of toxic masculinity, that's a catchphrase, that's ideological verbiage so it makes me generally when people use that terminology I'm it's like, cringy it is it is but there is something to unpack inside toxic masculinity because it is true that men go overboard a lot and and it is when we're being hard uh i don't know that that's exclusive to men though well and of i course, and i disagree you know with I mean? toxic, oh for christ's sake masculinity in itself it. isn't toxic masculinity isn't non-toxic masculinity is just masculinity is part of the makeup of a man this, this it all, is just it political all depends, talk, right? it all depends on, it all depends upon the application yes you know and that's true for that's true for masculinity femininity whatever entity you want to fucking <laughs> apply to any right. group of people it's part of your makeup, whatever the demographic is it so yeah what are you entity, doing with entity. it if you're if you're being a cunt <laughs> and you're using that as the fuel for your cuntiness then yeah stop it i guess i guess that's toxic masculinity if you're, so, being, yeah. if you're being a, a fucking well, awful chat about everything but yeah. but it's just the same as like you said with the uh, toxic uh, femininity i mean you sure. can be a total yeah cunt, but i'm not but well, i but, but i'm not i refuse to look at that and and extrapolate that to the entire whatever Genders, gender yeah. the entire demographic of it's, it's like we it's talk like foolishly no you got to take it on a person days. by person basis like this, these broad generalizations are, are kind of ridiculous but 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 i guess the, the point that you were trying to inside make inside there's something <laughs> right inside yeah. there is like do guys like say a coach a coach and, and their and their pupil or whatever somebody that's not in sports and stuff with might look at a relationship of a coach that's throwing chairs and yelling at the kids and doing all that kind of stuff they're like that's unacceptable shit and that's toxic masculinity it's creating phobias in these chitrons and all this stuff well it but is unacceptable i love my shit. coaches <laughs> shit. but i love like my basketball coach in high school that dude was so intense and cared so much about well, winning was he throwing them at you 
No. Well, okay. he threw balls at us. Well, if sometimes. you're gonna if you're gonna throw shit around, he I threw guess, a lot of shade. And, at yeah, us, you take bro. responsible responsibility for what you break, but as long as you're not throwing it at the kids, right? That would there be, was some. Apathy. I mean, I'm not gonna say that he probably having passion <laughs> doesn't automatically mean toxic. Throwing have, a basketball rack across the yeah. room, it's hard to aim that shit. So I, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I, as someone who had a music stand thrown at my head by a music teacher, and I kind of fucking deserved it. To be fair, right? You deserve the domestic, the violence, of course. But but I still don't think that that was probably the first go-to you know <laughs> fair but <laughs> control yourself a little bit but i wonder so to me that's it, it was toxic i mean it wasn't i don't want to use it to- i don't like these ideological terms but it was like i really like the, the word toxic though i'm sad that i'm sad that it's, it's being co-opted so, there are a lot of good it's such words a good word co-opted. toxic there's a ton of it just rolls off the tongue that nicely. become political garbage <laughs> and this one is that but when i think of hard i, I do think that when people are like because men today, we're kind of being asked to kind of tone all that shit back with this kind of language of the toxic masculinity. And it's like, what does that mean to you guys? I, I don't know. I mean, look at look at my life. I, I, you like exude. I mean, I, here, for I example, am like the role model of what I think people think toxic masculinity is because I like to work out and I like to go do shit outdoors. Like heavy I like metal. to kill stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I mean, I'm go, go, go. I want to go do adventure shit. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I'm toxic. It's because I want to do cool shit before I die. But it could be that you're toxic. That's what they're saying. It's like you might not know that you're you're just saturated in a, in a society of based around toxicity. But they're wrong. That you just like it and, that, and you're bad. <laughs> they're wrong and I'm not. <laughs> Well, you know what? That's a good way to put that. <laughs> I'm going to respect that, and uh, I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> That's a way to shut down that conversation uh, right quick. <laughs> so I think it's great. I think, I mean, I've always enjoyed men that are uh, strong, and I guess strong is partly. I think if people are being honest, unless uh, unless sometimes. they were unless they were wronged at one time by somebody who was just like overtly. I don't know what the right word is, but ab- abrasive in a masculine sense. Sociopathic or, you know, is what like, I always get when people talk like this. It's well, like you've, you ran into a sociopath and you haven't met well, any that's others. What I, that's what I mean. Outside of people yeah. that were wronged by someone that they framed that way, who doesn't like a strong man? Right. Well, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it, a, a strong man who knows how to be soft has got to be one of the most attractive things. And out of the three of to us? To everybody, if they're being yeah, honest. Yes. And, and, if the, and if it isn't, then my next question is who hurts you and why is that being <laughs> right. applied to everybody else you know that's not to say that there aren't dudes out there that are total fucking bros that are shitheads all the time and it's like dude stop being the stereotype quit acting that way that's right. nonsense but all the shit that you just described Jeff it's not that but if your behavior was tweaked a little bit then it would be that but it's all in how you approach it you approach it in a very genuine fashion well and out of the three of us who's probably the way more sensitive one me yeah i mean like i'm i'm just a very passionate human being nothing (laughs) hollow i'm in the middle between it some days i feel nothing some days i cry at folgers commercials (laughs) those are are sad bro some days are some days are both you know up and down can't believe people would drink that trash and it hurts my heart (laughs) sponsor us folgers for more content like this we'll take it now we're looking for black rifle or some shit i think uh i don't know but so masculinity being toxic when people talk about it i keep looking into these things because it's interesting the ideology the ideology but like say the workplace and for a female if you're a female there is toxic shit that you could use the word toxic that shaden likes uh where the culture of of guy stuff like if we have an industry where we're all in there and a female comes into it there's no doubt 
there's no doubt that it's fucking uncomfortable a lot of the time. There's sometimes that the guys are good at that and shit, but there's a ton. Yeah, I mean, I can it, talk about this. Yeah, you sure can. So I wonder, like, I mean, as three guys, it's going to be really difficult to empathize fully and, and sympathize fully as to what it would be like to walk into a den of a uh, bunch of dudes and dude culture, like policing. Well, so I can tell you how I changed actually within police culture. But real quick, think yeah. about it, like. Uh, when I listen to like feminist talk and stuff, obviously in the, in the modern age and the third wave feminism, it's a political type thing and it's it's a certain thing. But there's always truths inside of all the things that they're talking about, besides the data that they put out there that's political and not correct and all that stuff. Mm. There's a bunch we could unpack there, but the truth behind it, where it's like, you know, Me Too movement, like that shit's fucking absolutely that culture and say a Hollywood executive and any corporate executive is suspect of basically men in power, blah, blah, blah. And probably yeah. women in power too, if they have the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's probably like, not at the same rate though. I think dudes are probably way more. It is that way. Yeah. Women embrace men, like the single man that comes to the job, you know, there there's, I'm sure there's shit that gets said and there's a uh, different complications that go with it too. But it does seem I've asked I've just asked it's anecdotally. Just a, it's a people. different it's a different power dynamic, I think. You yeah. Know? Like a, even even if you have a a woman who's in charge of of men and she were to leverage her position against a guy, it happens. Yeah. I've 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 been in situations oh, yeah. that weren't like I didn't get raped by any of my bosses, but right. I've had Sorry. I've had I've had uncomfortable I know. Yeah, see exactly though, that's my point. And that's yeah. it, it it's like it, the attitudes around it are not mm -hmm. the same. Which I we could talk about the right and wrong of that because I have opinions about that too. But but I th my point is, there's a different power dynamic when it's a dude who's wielding that power over over females that are working underneath him, mm -hmm. and it's I think it's absolutely something that should be called out, mm -hmm. uh, you know. And that that shit, that's just that is actually toxic, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> you know. But there's nuance to that too because there are you won't tell me that there haven't been cases because i've seen it where it came to light after the fact where it was called out falsely right and i find that even more despicable perhaps yeah, absolutely you know uh, not that i want to put them all on the scale of which who did the worst thing but right. like yeah that's just like it's it's bad enough that it happens you don't have to lie about it on top of it and make it worse that's when when know? these big things these philosophical things and moral things when they get hijacked by ideologues and ideology like the reason i'm using the term toxic masculinity has a long history that most people don't know much about and it's it's words that are meant to make us think a certain way blah blah, blah. it doesn't matter but all of this stuff makes it so we don't talk about the nuance of what we're talking about where it's mm. like the me too movement that shit was, that was very important and was also abused to the point of where now it's people don't it's a joke it's a meme joke now kind of thing that's what culture has done to it yeah and what happened to the conversation it's gone it's become politicized and now when somebody says hashtag me too somebody on the right knows what that means somebody on the left has a different meaning of that and it's just lost so now we don't talk about the fact that there's still women that go to work and they walk into a culture and it's fucking weird like the guys make it weird and they're not even aware of it and they they look at the women like well that's because you you know back in the kitchen or whatever the fuck it might be <laughs> get the fuck out of here <laughs> maybe not so much <laughs> but uh you know at the extreme amount and we don't get to talk about that and so we kind of just walk through society that's what i found when i started looking into like toxic masculinity below that is like there's a whole bunch of things that we can talk about but we're not going to because they've used 
now half of men feel bad about themselves because a bunch of people in their lives and a bunch of YouTubers and a bunch of news channels are telling them that they're toxic for being born. Yeah. And it's like, we've, we're losing the plot so much, or yeah. maybe we never had it's, the plot. It's, it's just a, it's a matter of something being co-opted first of all, and second of all, being ran way too far in, in the inappropriate direction. Yeah. And I think that hijacking that you mentioned is unfortunately inevitable with anything that is, you know, a hot button issue and at least relatable and in this some is degree why to a lot of people. But I think that, I think that the first line of defense against that is to constantly remind yourself to do your own thinking. Yeah. It's easy. It's really easy to fall down holes on the internet or listen to the same news source so much that it just starts rewiring your inner monologue. And you got to proactively guard against that shit. Big time. It, and then after you're able to accomplish that, you need to be able to have these kind of conversations. Yeah, still look into it. You know, like, like it's, it's, I, I'm, I would be shocked if us talking about toxic masculinity or talking about how people falsely call out me too stuff or have falsely called out me too stuff. I'd be shocked if that didn't piss somebody off. That's listening. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and well, you and, can't say anything without offending. Somebody. And that's, 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 the, that's the, that's the risk that you take. Oh, wow. But, but if that is the case, I hope that you can look at this and go, well, we're not we're not necessarily championing anything in this we're just trying to have a dialogue about it or what is it with three people a trialogue (laughs) 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 we're just we're just trying to have a conversation and and acknowledge the fact that there's nuance because that shit's important i will never not use trialogue (laughs) trialogue sorry (laughs) welcome to the trialogue here at just a ride but it's important to be able to talk about the nuance uh, of this shit. And it, I feel like it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a sword that's wielded by people that want the drama to continue rather than the solution to arrive right. to shut down. Well, the drama can be addictive conversation. So. Well, for sure. And it can be profitable. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's profit and victimization. As yeah. Well, and so. being aware of that is uh, important as well, because Absolutely. if you're not aware of that, that, that as a reality then <laughs> there's a, your pennies in somebody else's pocket eventually absolutely. one way shape or another there are there are people in this world conspiracy whatever uh who look at the world as a dialectic and they follow they look at the world through a lens and their ideology is more important than facts it's more important than anything mm-hmm. and they do exist and like I, I just want to throw this this might not be the best place to put it but I hear <laughs> don't I hear, put it on me I, I, <laughs> I hear I hear people talk like the word conspiracy theory and conspiracy theorist and I I could say that I guess I was one at one point but you know I study communism and socialism and the first whenever I hear that phrase in America I'm like how do you think communism would be accomplished without a conspiracy? How do you think socialism in the sense of even a dictatorship, Maoism, any of the things, it was like, that was legit the only way that could happen. It wasn't coincidence mm. that that happened. So whenever I hear that, I'm like, who tur- who coined that phrase, conspiracy theorist? Who does that serve? Because there's no way that you could do some of these things without well, hundreds and you, thousands I of I can tell ideologues. you one person that it serves is the person behind the conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so, so I'll put my tinfoil hat back on the shelf. But yeah. uh, It's fun when you bring it out. It looks good on you. It brings out the colorlessness of your soul. <laughs> <laughs> the, the dark denseness of my eyes. 
is blue. They're not blue. There's gray. The They're, void. The void is staring no, back. Well, so we kind of started going back into or started to talk about my profession, which when I got in was yeah, it's still pre- predominantly male yeah. uh, profession. Yeah. But there's tell a us lot. how you were a toxic masculine figure. I kind of was actually <laughs> to start. That's the whole point. Is I actually was at first. Um, my first experience in law enforcement with a female that worked, she just happened to not be good at her job. Right. And uh, ultimately didn't make it. Right. Um, and you extrapolated that to all of them, didn't you? Well, <laughs> you that was just shit. my first experience. Yeah, I, I really did yeah. at first. The one female that I worked around, just she just she wanted to do the job. She tried really hard. She just wasn't good at it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, well, typical asshole. Well, women obviously don't belong in this job. That was stupid of me. You and chauvinistic very young thing. and naive. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I totally was. Until I came to a bigger agency and, and uh, even in the... Uh, coming to Spokane, there wasn't very many females that I worked with at first, but what I found is they were really good at the job mm. and they had a lot of value out on the street. I also, and then as more females came into the department, there was a pretty good mix. I don't, I don't know what the breakdown is. Uh, it's still predominantly male, but there's a lot of females and there's a lot of value in a female doing this job that a guy doesn't have, but there's things that they still can't do. Yeah. Um, you know, physically fight. I can say hashtag not all because there's one gal that I worked with. She can kick the ass of probably 85% of the department. She's a yeah, badass. Nice. It's, it's a low percentage, but, she works but there really are definitely at. irrefutably. There are females yeah. that can whoop ass wholesale. But here's, but here's yeah. one thing that I will say that it's, that's biological and it's hot for the record. Here's something that happens. And I think it's more biological than anything else. And that men have an innate, particularly in law enforcement, they have an innate want to protect and help. So if I would go to a call with a female deputy and I could see things going sideways, I was going to jump in a lot faster and put hands on a lot quicker to protect them. Or even if somebody was mouthing off to them, I protected them just inherently just just the the white knight the damsel in distress right. i would step up and pr- try to protect them did i need to i don't know but isn't and would is that toxic if i do that i don't think so but some people would say that it's that's an inherent nature to do that. maybe know, it is it's I don't inherited know. by you know is it a societal thing or is it a deeper nature thing you know does every society do that i don't know that's yeah. i don't know With it this seems per- like it from what i i see but i'm from this society it's interesting to hear with yeah, this particular decisions. gal that I was talking about that was tough, when we'd get in fight, I knew she was good to go. Like, I liked going right. to calls with her because I knew she could handle herself. Right. But a lot of the other ones, I'm like, oh, well, it's going to be me against this other person. That no. doesn't mean that they don't have value within the job, but when it comes to physical stuff, they just can't do as much. It'd be a rad interview. It'd be fun to interview uh, maybe one of the lady police officers that you've met or know, or maybe just one in general with the questions that you'd have and see what their perspective is. I mean, I would I would think a lot of women would want to that wants that job would want to be around guys because they know what they're getting into kind of thing. But I wonder what the things are where they're like, I want to be around them, but there's these terrible drawbacks. And I wonder what, you know, well, then there's the other part. They all, you know, end up dating each other. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's who I mean, that's not society. That's, that's human. It's just the yeah. way it goes. Yeah, musicians do that same shit, and it's like, don't ever date people in the band. Yeah, dude. Yeah. My, my whole point, of what, my whole point <laughs> of that was everybody knows, and they do it anyway. They do, yeah. and then there's Abba, and then there's Fleetwood Mac, and then you get all these problems. <laughs> my whole point of that was, 
initially I had the wrong mindset and my mindset changed, but it changed because I saw evidence that it could change. That was a cool thing to share with us. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, that is fucking cool. I have a question before we leave that. Um, and it's, uh, a genuine question, not a loaded question, but the female officers that you worked with, did you find, did they harbor an attitude like I can do everything all the other guys can do or depends not. on the person. Yeah. They, there were some that were that way and they would tend to get themselves in trouble. Yeah. It, it just like any guy would do that. But it, 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 that's not different for male and female. Right. There's, there's a lot of guys that did the same things. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, so it, it, I wouldn't say that was a female issue. That mm. was just a, a I've just heard, I've heard that as a talking point when people are talking about that, that aren't in law enforcement, but they're just, you know, engaging in conjecture. And I wondered since you have actual experience yeah. with it, I wanted yeah. to get your insight on I've, it. I had seen it happen where they would, they wanted to show that they could do anything that the biggest guy out on the road could do. And they would get themselves in trouble time and time again because yeah. it just wasn't physically possible. But they also, I saw them learn from that, back off a little bit, and learn how to use their brain and their mouth a lot more. Yeah. Which I'm a big That's, guy. I like to fight. I mean, first couple years of my career, I was fighting every day. It was awesome. Right. I mean, I I was a heavy-handed officer for a long time in my career but that's how you policed back then i had to change with the times and you know i ended up getting to be the i was known so at one time in my career uh in spokane pretty early on here uh, i'd been an officer for a while but i remember a sergeant coming in and it was me and two other guys with the same first name as me all in the same platoon he's this hefe hef yeah and jeff <laughs> that's right <laughs> and the sergeant comes in, he says congratulations I'm like, for what he says you guys have more use of force in the in six months, the three of you have more use of force than the whole department combined. Two hundred and forty officers. Yikes. It's a Jeff thing. And those guys were high fiving <laughs> and I went, Oh shit, that's not good. No. And that's now, it wasn't just that we were assholes. We were also getting all the big guys. We were number one in drug arrests, gun arrests, right. all arrests. We that's were out there kicking context. Ass. Yeah. Um however <laughs> just punching Jaywalkers. Like, <laughs> however, <laughs> it made me realize maybe I needed to step back and use my mouth a little bit more than my hands. So uh, I went from Getchel got into another fight to Getchel get blowjobs. If <laughs> you said you different, your mouth more. <laughs> different job. Oh, Whole different I didn't, I didn't mean to out you like that. Different job. We are not talking about And I needed money. Fuck off. <laughs> hey, no shade, better. dude. No shade. Get side, that bag. Side hustle. <laughs> now I forgot what the fuck I was going to say. Uh, you you, you, went you from, learned to use your mouth better from... Yeah, so I went from the guy who was... It was Getchel got in a fight again to... If Getchell hit you, you fucking earned it. Right. Because he's our best that's, talker. Like everybody that's loves how I met you. Yeah. yeah, you were a negotiator Excellent. guy. Yeah. Excellent re uh, reputation to have. I actually have grown to share your uh, interest in de escalation just as an art form. I, I've, that shit fascinates me so much. Like I'm, I've been looking into the science of it a little bit recently, actually. And somebody made an interesting point about it. And they said de escalation only works effectively when there's a threat that backs it up not, not necessarily a spoken threat but like it's if, if you if you're not able to uh carry out consequences upon the person or the thing that you're trying to de-escalate if it should not work out 
then your ability to de-escalate goes out the window. So what you're saying is you should hit your kids. <laughs> Beat well, them if you say you're going to, Jesus, okay. If you say you're going to, you better back just, up your threat. So if you don't want to hit your kids, right? don't make that just threat. Just go ham and, one time and, and then it's forever. You're making their, their point was in, in, in policing where they were like, you know, yes, police should be uh, trained in and encouraged to de-escalate which i believe that they are and you know that that should, should just continue to become more robust in my opinion but they said it wouldn't be effective if they didn't all also have guns or and or the capability to kick your ass if right. you don't cooperate yeah. <laughs> numbers. Yeah. i just thought that i mean how it's long like, do it kind of makes sense but it was an interesting thing to kind of point it out it's just like oh yeah well and how long do people <laughs> really sit around and try to get their kids to get something accomplished like something simple like clean your room before they get a hold of them by the scruff of the neck <laughs> and drag them to each piece on the floor. Pick that up. Pick that up. Pick Depends that on up. the patient's you know what I'm saying? Of the of the parent. So at some point, everybody gets there. It, take every away situation their PlayStation gets now. That's yeah. yeah, but to <laughs> be able to, to have a you know suicidal, homicidal, barricaded subject who uh, you know, one wants to kill himself, wants to kill other people, and doesn't want to go to jail and be able to get on a phone, not even be eye to eye, and have a conversation with that person and get them to cooperate with you, that... Imagine there was that was three D chess, and that yeah. there was, that was way more fun than beating Four shit D out chess. of anybody. That was five D chess. That <laughs> was a bunch of chess. I was almost said I've never played two D chess, but that's not true. <laughs> I played it on my phone a yeah. bunch. <laughs> I do it every day. <laughs> All right. Well, well I that think, was uh, that was a ride. Yeah. Where the hell of, did we start? We started with. Hard and soft. Hard and soft. Oh, that and was all I, hard and I, soft. And then I brought up I toxic masculinity. I got hard and soft several times throughout that whole conversation. That's because you have toxic masculinity. Yeah, I guess so. You can't just, you can't stop talking about your dick. That's the problem. <laughs> I don't think we, I don't think we learned anything from that. All right. But I think now we're going to move on to another one of Shaden's, uh, Oh, no. Yeah. This is creativity. <laughs> My last one went so well. <laughs> it went pretty good. Uh, creativity versus originality. And I put plus madness oh yeah so let's trigger okay. that thought so this is this this could go fucking anywhere All to right. be honest because let's get back to toxic was, masculinity these are these are some uh yeah it would be great to just round every topic back to toxic masculinity <laughs> from now on i said some things that i probably should say other things about but i'm not gonna <laughs> so you guys can just think oh, i'm it's just a piece pretty of toxic shit. of you dude i should say i'm a feminist but i'm just not third wave feminist okay <sighs> i mean i think that's reasonable okay. i just want to make sure i got myself in trouble this week because i try every week to get very myself reasonable in trouble. <laughs> you're doing a good job this week yeah, yeah keep it up you. uh so this is kind of a shower thoughts brand of philosophy that I've been kicking around recently and I wanted you guys to discover or explore it with me rather. Um, but I was thinking about there seems to be this intrinsic relationship between how much you learn about a thing, like let's say a field you know, a field of study as an example, and you start learning all of these, what are considered to be at this point facts about that field or, you know, aspects of that field on the other side of that seesaw, it seems like that somehow limits your ability to, um, come up with creative, uh, solutions in, within that field to come up with, ideas that aren't influenced by everything that's already considered to be canon you know mm -hmm. what i mean mm -hmm. so it's like you if you have somebody who knows just enough to be dangerous but is still fresh enough and undoctrinated enough to be creative and brilliant there's something to be said for that but also they can't by nature be an expert in it 
because they don't have all of the, they haven't mastered the field. Right. But it's this but weird, it interesting chance, little, not, yeah. It's they don't weird, know what's wrong. Right. And that's, uh, in some ways, that's an advantage, I guess, yeah. is what I'm well, trying to say. As a guitar say. player, a lot of, I know a ton of guitar players are like, I won't learn theory because the more I'll learn, then I'll just get stuck in a box. <laughs> and it's like, every time I've learned something new, it's like, it just makes my playing better and right. makes my creativity better yeah this reminds me of there's a tv show called stargate that i like that i've talked about <laughs> no on the show before yes <laughs> and there's a time there's the uh, i won't say all the names and stuff there's a race of aliens that's way advanced beyond all of their us. names their They're races not, no. their birthdays their home planet you want to know the spaceship they were on <laughs> uh but basically they said they came to humans who were way beyond way below them and they said we need your help because the the solution to this problem we're too smart for we need you guys because you we know all the technical things so we won't be able to come up with it because you guys don't know and that the chance of just crazy like random stuff we need your help so you're, it's kind of like you're saying i'm not the first person to think of this <laughs> fuck i'm saying that stargate sg1 had a great episode about what what you're well, talking about there are worse things that that you could beat out be beat out by than stargate there's some pretty good writers on the yeah. show actually so yeah, that's that's perfect illustration of what I'm. I guess I'm driving at, but um, I also kind of got into so that just sort of got me going down the rabbit hole on the nature of creativity versus you know firm knowledge of factual information and operating. I don't know what's the opposite of creativity. <laughs> I don't know. Non-creative. Rigid, yeah, I guess. Rigid conformity. <laughs> I guess. Cookie cutter mediocrity. Yeah, that's probably close. <laughs> Cookie cutters. Uh, so. Now somebody had to make the cookie cutter. But there's there's this claim, and I find it I'm finding it hard to refute this, and I'm wondering if you guys can think of any examples. But there's this claim that creativity walks. Let me get my thinking hat on. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Suck it down. There's this saying that says creativity walks hand in hand with mental illness or madness. I feel that. That's you why know? the best songwriters are on heroin, right? Yeah. Or. Right. Or a ton of them end up killing themselves, mm -hmm. if I want to be dark about it. But I have two friends that true. told me, if you want to write good songs, you need to get on heroin. Two friends. Two friends. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to write okay songs. You sure they were your friend? <laughs> I know one of them for sure. So you're not going to live very long, but you'll be a legend. <laughs> I know for sure one of them is my friend. Well, it's... And I've... I know that to be true with myself. I'm a, I'm a basket case on the inside so, in a lot of ways. And I just have learned or <laughs> developed enough coping mechanisms, mechanisms, not apparently to talk, <laughs> but uh, to keep myself together to, you know, to a, act a functional degree. But, and that's not, this isn't meant to be like, oh, poor us, we're creative, so you should pity us because we're all head cases and sad boys all the time they wouldn't anyway they no they'd be like fuck you dude yeah. <laughs> you guys already talked earlier about how nobody cares about your, your problems <laughs> but it's it's more to uh <laughs> i don't know i just find it fascinating that you have to learn to walk this fine line between learning about a thing but also trusting your gut and exploring a thing absent somebody's direction you have to walk this fine line between leaning into your creativity without letting it destroy you it's mm -hmm. kind of like an icarus flying too close to the sun yeah. sort of a thing oh, big time you know let me see if i'm understanding you right so basically a creative person they're taking something from inside themselves and they are expelling it out onto a tapestry or a, you know, a canvas or a song or a, a book or poetry or a fucking, I don't know, a vase. Who knows? They're masturbating. Yes. Yeah. 
And their expectation, I think, because they spend so much time in their own head and they, th- you know, they come up with this beautiful creation. This is what comes out. I think if people don't interpret their creation correctly, I think it fucks with their head and then it makes them feel uh, more vulnerable than they probably expected to be. And I think that's the vulnerability, I think, is where you get the uh, the feeling less about yourself. And that's where suicide comes from, I think. Maybe. I think that's an element to it for sure. Um, I think there's definitely more to it than that, but that, that certainly plays a role. I mean, if you pour, you pour a piece of your soul into something, it costs you something in essence to do that and to put it in front of people takes a certain amount of courage. And if people respond, you know, half-heartedly or (laughs) negatively, Mm -hmm. uh, heavens forbid, then, uh, yeah, you can take that pretty fucking hard. I think as, I think as a creative person, you kind of have to work on yourself and into not, (laughs) not assigning your art value based upon how people respond to it because your ability to reach all the people in the world even though you have the internet, it's not as it's not, not it's not as easy as you no. as as it may seem. For one, so your sample group is going to be small unless you have a huge platform, and even then, compared to the whole world, it's still small. So you can't go assigning your the worth of your creations, or certainly not your self worth, based upon uh, people's responses that you've been able to see. But easier said than done i think there's i think there's truth to what you're saying i don't think it's the whole equation but it's absolutely a factor i just want to make sure i had a somewhat of an understanding mm-hmm. of what you mm-hmm. were speaking yeah i uh i think i think artists tend to and i don't know that it's always a conscious behavior but it might be a, a learned behavior just a, based upon the the responses you get out of it but artists tend to behave in a manner that causes them strife mm-hmm. because some part of them knows that that strife will create better art create better art yeah, yeah. that's like doing heroin so and it's, but it's a hard but second. it's playing with fire is the problem because if you do that too hard then you destroy yourself so i think that people in general now with social media i think that we're seeing this problem all the time because facebook twitter face whatever the buck you're on twitter face <laughs> you you post something that seemed important to you whether it be something that you wrote or a picture and you want a response from that from people and i think that people look at the responses and if they don't get enough responses out of it then they start well why do people not like me i think it starts messing with their own psyche yeah. because they have this expectation of what they put out they expect a, a certain return on it mm-hmm. and i think that that also can mess with people's heads as well yeah, and, what a and create some what a horrible thing to do to both your art and yourself yeah. is to put it on social media. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I understand it's that. a vehicle, but it's, but on the it's, flip side, the dopamine that you get if you get something that goes say viral, oh, oh my god, how amazing, yeah, but, right? Yeah, but if you look at if you examine what qualities make something go viral, it's not your prowess as an artist ninety nine percent of the time. That's true, it's but even not somebody a, did a really good job of making fun of it. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, even not just artists are having this problem. I think people in everyday life are having this problem because 
they are in essence giving themselves out to social media, not getting in return yeah. what they want. Well, so it goes it back feel to worse about themselves. It goes back to what we were talking about about comparing yourself to other people and competing yeah. with other people and assigning yourself worth based upon that. And it's like that's that's a shitty thing to do to yourself, whether you're artistic or not. But especially as an artist, like shit, man, don't. <laughs> if you want some gratification on something that you just created, send it to the people that care about you because most of them will give you an honest opinion on it and the ones that really like it will really fucking like it. Yeah. And that feels way better than tossing it into the meat grinder of Facebook or Twitter or fucking whatever. Pick one. Reddit or something. Reddit. (laughs) Reddit's hilarious. I love Reddit. Yeah, Reddit's (laughs) rad. Really, the internet's a wonderful place. You just have to have a... We're getting thicker skin. But really, when I think of artists, it's like an artist to me is someone that is compelled to do art where if they couldn't do art they wouldn't want to uh, obviously there's people that do art that don't feel aren't psycho about it and stuff but a, an artist is somebody that's like i gotta do art you know mm-hmm. what i mean so you do art for the art's sake and so when people say i like your art that should be secondary to the thing that when you made the art like I don't know. It doesn't mean the art's fun. It's like taking painstaking, painstaking amount of time to make a painting or to, to make a podcast or to make a cartoon or something. It takes a lot of work. It's not necessarily fun, but I don't know. Holy shit. Are we doing art right now? We're doing art. Do art for art's sake. High five boys. (laughs) Having other people like that's the cherry on, on top as a, as a songwriter. It's like the art to me was getting out this bullshit in my mind and getting it into a way where I could use my throat to, scream it out or sing it or say it or whatever mm-hmm. and to me all of the magic that came from that uh, happened in the, my basement or my bedroom or some shit and then uh, when somebody says they like it it's just a little cherry it's a, it's the nuts on the top there is something special about performing that's a whole nother thing when you perform it for people and they like it that's a whole energy thing and stuff but yeah. for the art of making it like a painting and stuff like I imagine the artist is most satisfied most artists are most satisfied when they see it done or in the process of doing it and then afterwards when they have people say I like it for this reason like I I really appreciate it when people say you know your song means a lot to me and this and that Uh, big time it means the most Yeah, but it also still changes it somehow like what they're saying changes the meaning of the song to me somehow and it's uh, Hmm. I don't know so it's a strange thing I certainly want people to appreciate the things that I create like I think it would be dishonest to be like, oh, yeah. It's a, I mean, I'm glad that you like it, but I did it for me. Right. That's not true. I did do it for me, I like but chairs. I didn't do it only for me. You right. know, but but I also try really hard to avoid seeking validation from whether or not other people like it because if they don't, it's still it still served me in some way it had to come out (laughs) i mean that's the way that i am i don't know i I feel like every artist i've talked to has some version of that but i if it has to come out of me it just has to come out and my job is just to see it through you know hang or at least hang on for dear life while it happens but i but i uh i changed many 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 years ago as far as when it comes to performing my music um into thinking of it more as a beacon and less as the thing that I put on the shelf for people to look at. And what I mean by that is it's, it's this, you know, bat signal that I turn on and it's tailor made to attract people that resonate with whatever piece of my soul I put into that particular piece of music. And 
I mean, fuck me if you guys aren't a result of that to some degree, you know, like I don't, if, if I hadn't been out there doing the musical things that I had been doing, very solid chance we wouldn't have met unless Jeff pulled me over or something. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> it wouldn't have been as nice to Most of my friends I have arrested. So. He wouldn't have let you move in though as much. <laughs> so I guess and that that shit is the most valuable to me. If I if I got nothing else out of my music other than attracting a certain type of people that resonates with me on deeper than a surface level, that's more than enough, you know. And and so figure out if I'm gonna turn this into a piece of advice, I guess, figure out what it is that you want your art to provide you and you can borrow mine if you want it. I think it's very valid for a lot of people. Um, and then measure it based off of its ability to do that for you rather than whether or not people like it or blow it up or pay you lots of money to do it. Yeah. Of course it's nice if that happens, but like yeah. you said, Zach, it's just a cherry on top it at is. the end of the day. The most important song I have in my life that I've written it has a bunch to do with my mom and a bunch to do with my brain and I've played it like five times total live and I can't really get through it and I probably will never record it and you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's like so I don't care if anybody you know and so I try and look at that at the songs I put out too it's like what does it mean to have it out there like on some level it's some of my music has offended people and some of my music has helped people and some of my, you know it's 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 weird to wrap your mind around all those different things so mm-hmm. to me i heard another songwriter say this too so this is like me kind of living through that and seeing how i like it or whatever but yeah i mean i really do i make the songs for me to get it out and i don't imagine people liking it i, I imagine that they'll like the, the notes that's why we write try we try and make catchy music and yeah. make cool sounds because yeah. we've got these great musicians in our band but when it comes to the lyrics and stuff, I'm like, no way people are going to like it. Every 90%, time I say 90% it, every time of people that listen to music don't listen to the lyrics, too. So, so, right? It's for guys like that. me. But that's yeah. where the lyrics is what's important. Yeah. And that, mm-hmm. to me, that's where the therapy is, too. Yeah. That's where it's like, I got to get this out. Well, and you I can, know. even then though I'm not, stupid shit that I, I write, consider so. myself an artist, but I mean, how many years have I been trying to put positive shit out on, on the Facebooks? And, Catch and, paints with blood. Yeah. Well, and I can remember coming to you going, hey, I got this idea. I'm going to do these like, you know, midnight affirmations, just try and throw it. Like these are thoughts in my head, things that I've thought. And if I've thought it, well, there's gotta be a gazillion other people. I mean, I got an eighth grade education. These other people are going to need to hear it too. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'd put it out there and it's, and I was expecting a response and thus for the whatever. seed for just ride was for whatever, <laughs> really was. Yeah. For, for whatever fucking reason, if we're being I expected honest, yeah. a response and, uh, and didn't get what I wanted at first. And I would not offended. Isn't the right word, but almost like, do people not understand or do they just not give a shit Ooh, about, a about their life? You were crestfallen. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll have to look that up. <laughs> it's Google? <almost> the same. <laughs> um, anyway, so I think that anything that anybody puts out publicly, they expect something in return um, in their subconscious. Yeah. Yes. And, and, I'm very true. That and you that's have how to, I feel, but, but you I'm have trying to, desperately not to feel that way. I think mm-hmm. that when you recognize it, it's easier to go, no, I'm just going to say what I have to say or make the art that I have to yeah. and, and there's going to be people that appreciate it and there's going to be people that don't like it and some people don't give a fuck and some people won't like me for it because they think I'm talking at them how many times have I had people hit me up are you talking about me I'm like dude I, dude, I hardly know you I know your name because it's 
right. you know, it's in front of my face, but I actually don't even know you. Yeah. But if I reached you, if you think I'm talking about you, it's probably something you should pay attention to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which was always my answer. It's mm -hmm. like, if, it, if you think it's about you, then it is. Yeah, it probably. But it's really about me, but you're just feeling some of the same shit that I am. And that's good. <laughs> that means I'm not too far out there. Right. right. I'm a human and I'm going through human shit like yeah. you. Well, and little, little kitty butthole I'll put at the bottom <laughs> of all of this, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't be capable of listening to criticism of whatever your creative Absolutely. thing is right. and adjusting your approach. It doesn't mean you have to do your art the way, oh, so I think you should do watercolors instead of charcoal because you clearly suck at charcoal. That's well, not what I'm talking about. Right. But, but when when somebody goes, hey, I like that, it seems like it's missing this or like I really was expecting this and it didn't happen fuck you yeah no don't do that okay. think about it sorry well and, and and then if they're totally up their ass then yeah tell them to fuck off or how do you know but how do you know either way you go uh just trust yourself and experiment along the way like you don't have to take everything as it's handed to you like I, best advice i can give you is don't listen to word i'm saying <laughs> <Ever>. <laughs> don't trust this guy all right, I think we floundered enough on that yeah. subject. What's, it's, what's it's reasonableist party? Reasonableist party oh, time. Oh, it's reasonable. We're talking about free speech. Time. I don't. I, I'm surprised we haven't talked about that yet. Well, we kind of just did it. We did a lot. <laughs> we free speech the shit out. I of spoke this. freely from start to finish. <laughs> Same so here, and I'm. I regret it all. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we talking in public? Sorry, this episode of Just a Ride has been completely deleted. deleted. <laughs> all of the things I said are retracted. It's the whole episode's just going to be bing, nope. bong, nope. Oh, yes. <laughs> Fucking I. We'll just do that for over and over again. <laughs> no, so free speech, it's, it, every generation has to have the debate over it. Uh, ours is having it now, obviously, over uh, or whatnot. As a reasonableist party, what do you think as far, I mean, as government, do we guarantee free speech? I think we know that. But what does that mean for the reasonableist party? I don't think it changes a whole lot as long as you're not making direct threats to people you should be able to say what the hell you want. You right. can have an opinion on anything as long as your opinion isn't to kill everybody else. You know? Right. And you can't and be punished by the government. That's right. what the First Amendment, or Second, yeah. yeah, First Amendment does. You're not required to like anything. You're not required to have anything. You can, I think you should be able to say what you want and somebody can be offended by it and that's okay. Right. But I think you should be able to make direct threats. <laughs> Unpack that for us. I, think, yeah, I, think, I think there should be consequences, but well, I think, there is. It's, but it's a crime. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I mean, if you threaten me and I kick your ass, that's within my right to do that. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or if you threaten my family and I threaten to bury you for threatening my family, I don't think either one of us should go to jail for that exchange, necessarily. You know, like. I think, context, I think I think I think it should be taken into account if something does happen. It's like, oh well, there was intent that went along with this, so that changes things. Well, the, I mean, those are. But all, I mean, those people got to be able to say what they're going to say, man. Those are already yeah. encompassed within uh, crimes, right? Yeah, there has to be some validity behind what's being said. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go bigger. What what limits to speech are there in society? And and if reasonableist party has an influence in the world. Uh, you know, we want, as the government, we're going to say, you can say what you want without repercussions, barring, you know, creating insurrections or whatever. Uh, and maybe not even that, according to that. But what what kind of culture do we want? You know, like free speech for a company is a different thing. Like you can't shout your religious beliefs at every business that you work for. 
uh, you know, the, the Twitter debate where people are saying, well, this is a private platform uh, and they have every right to deplatform whoever they want and now a new person owns it. And, you know, free, does freedom of speech even cover the, the private space? Is it, or is it just the essence it's, of freedom of speech? It's uh, <laughs> There's a lot of nuance in all those instances, I think, because if... And I might be contradicting my statement just a minute ago by saying this. Maybe. I'm kind of unpacking it in my head still. But if if every single time uh, something is said in a certain context, it causes danger and damage, then perhaps it shouldn't be allowed. Right. Like people like to bandy about the, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Right. Well... Unless there's a fire. Unless there's a fire, yeah. Right. You can if there really is a fire, you know. You should. Like, you know. Yeah. But I I see that, you know, like it's like I see the argument that that can create all kinds of problems, damage, and potentially death because of the panic that ensues immediately afterwards. Although realistically if I was in a theater and somebody yelled fire and I didn't see fire I'd be like shut up like, <laughs> I'm watching the movie god damn it you know like so I don't know that I don't know that it would be this sudden panic that everybody likes to make it out to be but I don't know it's anyway, a weird argument actually when you break it down a little it is but my my point in using that as an example is I understand uh, the argument that you know we don't we don't want to have a high degree of tolerance for people that are just fucking trolling in essence and then and then they're causing damage right like real potentially existential damage but i also understand the other side of the equation which is once you start putting asterisks on mm -hmm. free speech it becomes a slippery slope and where does it end and it's a, a, a changing group of folk that will be in charge of deciding right and that's it could be good one year and bad the next year kind of thing. It could be good for you one year and bad for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And I, I, I guess my point of view on this circles back largely to our conversation about allowing some bad in service of a larger good. I think free speech is an excellent example of that where it's like, I think being allowed to say what you want to say, even if it's a shitty thing <laughs> is so important to protect that we should be able to tolerate the shitty things that some people will say mm -hmm. as a result of having that freedom. I think that's super fucking important, but I I could see certain things, you know, certain way, like, I, I don't know, obviously my stance on the threats thing is a little weak. I could understand if <laughs> you guys could probably convince me otherwise on, on you know, like, well, you, you can't run around telling people you're going to kill them without getting in trouble. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, like it depends on the trouble for me, I guess, you know, it's just like, <laughs> what, what kind of trouble are we talking about? But no. it's different though, if it's a sock account and it's like a picture of a cat, a cartoon cat, you know, and mm. then, or if it's your name and you're like, I James, James is going to come kill you. Um, yeah. You know, it's different. Well, and as, as it pertains but, to, or is it, I don't fucking know. As it's, it pertains to private companies too, that's a whole other thing. It's just like, well, I understand if you're, if you're accepting money to do a job and your job agreement with that company says you will conduct yourself this way or else you won't have a job anymore. And one of those things is you're not allowed to say the fuck word in front of customers. You right, know, it's just right. like, okay, well then it's not free speech, but I think that, 
that company is running their business and they are well within their rights to say, hey, this is how you're going to behave when you're here. And we're not going to lock you in jail if you don't behave that way, but you won't have a job here anymore. Right. You know? or, or on the customer side of it, if a customer comes in and is motherfucking the cashier and they're like, hey, you can't behave like that in here. Oh, I can say whatever I want. Yeah, you can. Outside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is my house. <laughs> That's, it, it does seem like people you know? get confused with with the free speech as to what it is. It's like you don't have free speech in Arby's. You don't have free speech in Walmart. You right. Know? Well, you don't have free speech working for any company, any company. But you do have free speech if you go to a college campus. If you do have free speech if you use the you know specific government airwaves or if you go down to City Hall or whatever. That's where free speech is protected, right? Yeah. So... But the essence of it, it's like we want companies to be better than the government at those things. They can't guarantee protection. But when you see a thing like Twitter, I do want all the ideas out there. And for the, the main reason I want all the ideas out there is so that I can hear them. I don't want people taking away my right to hear things. And the reason I want to hear bad things is because I know that society, the best disinfectant is light. Bring bad ideas out to the light. Yeah. So if we've got these bad ideas that are out there, and we put them all on Twitter and we talk and we make fun of the person and we ruin it and you know, it's gone. And that idea has been destroyed by the public. That's better. And whatever strife happens through all that, then if that goes underground for decades and becomes this festering idea that hasn't been checked by the public, and then you get a bunch of weirdos that live out in the woods somewhere that are fucking anti something and think the end is coming, you know, so freedom of speech gives us protection from weirdos in a lot of ways because they out themselves and we as a society on a place like Twitter or Facebook or whatever, we can look at it and say, well, that's weird or that's good or whatever. And when we limit that to the arbitrary ideas of these people that we don't, maybe we elect, maybe we don't, maybe just own a company or whatever. I mean, what happens? Then they decide what ideas are good and bad. And some of those, for sure, some of those bad ideas will not get the disinfectant of society looking at them and saying, that's stupid. We don't, we're not racist. Get out of here. We're not, we don't believe in, you know, what the, the Nazis believe. We don't believe, you know, all those ideas should well, come out. And here's the thing. That, to die. I got to bring this up. You know, it's not a crime to be a racist. Of course not. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's not a crime. Right. You can say racist stuff. It's not it a crime. It just makes you a cunt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you can it be, a, you but idiot. it's not a crime to be a cunt. Yeah, it's not. I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying. Nor should it be. I'm not saying I agree with the thoughts. Right. But you should have a right to say it, Mm -hmm. as long as you're not threatening somebody else. I think that threatening harm or what you're saying isn't actually going to hurt somebody else. You should be able to say your opinion. Well, speech isn't for the weather. It's for harsh stuff. Yeah, but if I if I say something and you're offended by it, that's not really my responsibility. I shouldn't be stopped. What I'm going to say what I'm saying because it had offended somebody. Right. If it wasn't a threat to you, you may not like what I say, but I should have the right to say it just the same as I, I read shit that I don't agree with all the time. In fact, I think they're blatantly wrong. I'm not offended by it necessarily, but they have the right to say it. Right. They have the right to think it. I have to decide, do I want to try and change their mind? Generally, no. Mm-hmm. But if you have the open dialect, the conversation is going to go one way or the other. I mean, if you're not harming anybody, it doesn't matter if it offends somebody else, you right. should still be able to say it. And that's really what we're talking about is everybody, everybody seems to, well, I'm offended by that. So that should be gone. That should be extricated from my life because it offends me. Mm-hmm. No, you need to adjust yourself right. to what's being said. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it. 
just understand that it's out there. That knows yeah. it. Yeah. I agree You're okay with, that things exist that you might not like. I agree with that completely. And I just want to reassert that you, it's impossible to legislate a utopia. Yeah. You can't legislate your way to a utopia. Not that utopia would ever be attained anyway, but the point still stands. The, the most potent medicine against a shitty use of free speech is a masterful use of free speech in return in my opinion also. which is why it should be protected at all costs in my in my opinion because Agreed. because if if we lose the capability to say the things that we want to say uh not only where does it end but we also lose our our best tool in combating shitty things that people say yep so Yep. I, I, that's that's ultimately if I was going to really reduce it down to my my opinion on it, I agree with you, Jeff. That's fuck. I, I, we have to be able to put up with people saying shitty things and being shitty people, mm-hmm. as long as we can use our same freedom and ability to be way better people and way better spoken, <laughs> <laughs> in, in order to make them feel stupid and maybe they'll change or if not they'll die eventually. <laughs> I think that's the essence of free speech is is exactly that. Yeah. It's meant to uh, bring it out so it can be talked about and decided. That's You can't mandate morality, but we can decide what morality is yeah. kind of as a collective. And yeah. if we limit these places, the public forums, like, and, you know, and Twitter's a private company, but it's a public forum. It yeah. really is. It's free and it's millions well, of people. Twitter's, Facebook too. Twitter's kind of a weird one. And like, I mean, all, all the big social medias are kind of weird, especially because they've gotten so big that they are... Uh, they are part of the big tech uh, conglomerate, you know, like they're, the the amount of money that they have, like they're, they're squarely in the zone of big tech. Like when you think big tech, you're like Google, Apple, Facebook, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, right now, yeah. but there's a perfect example of, I post a picture of me with a deer. Somebody's offended by that. Mm-hmm. So I get flagged and it gets kicked off yeah. because somebody didn't like it. Fuck you. Well, and it's like right. part of, part of me wants to go, well, yeah, but I mean, there's there's a terms of service and it is a service that's provided it's a platform that's provided for you and they laid their ground rules yeah but the, where that starts to fall apart is how much they move the goalpost on yep. those ground rules after you're already in there and mm-hmm. and it's also uh it's it's a weird intersection between freedom of speech in a public forum and uh and private a private enterprise you know so mm-hmm. it's like the lines of distinction are admittedly a little bit blurred there but well, if you started twitter tomorrow you want control over twitter as to what you want on your company i guess it but would depend on my mission statement right, but you don't have outset, right. if yeah. you but you know if i'm for people if they want they build something like that and they're like say what you want besides we don't want to see any fucking you know child porn we don't want to see any porn or whatever Obviously. it is but don't, don't commit crimes yeah, don't <laughs> commit any crimes but if i started twitter tomorrow i'd want people to be able to have that i want i want a robust marketplace of ideas and people will get rid of the dumbasses and then we'll teach the dumbasses that's yeah. like you know and whatever good stuff yeah reasonable party is easy i don't really get the whole thing one. with uh with elon musk like everybody being all bent out of shape about it like uh, one side of my brian my my brian, Your brian, <laughs> brian my good old brian up here upstairs uh is like this is this is a super intelligent arguably probably autistic in a brilliant kind of way, mm-hmm. dude, who is taking on big tech. Like why? Uh, there's so many people that are like, 
fuck big tech we need to tax the rich eat the rich mm-hmm. and then this guy who is the one rich. of the rich yeah. admittedly That's the problem but partly but he's fighting the rest of them. I love wild <laughs> cards. Like, because he has the ability like, to, and yeah. that's great. Yeah. Chaos. Yeah, Let's exactly. go. Wild card is, as a libertarian, you're like, that's the only way we can fight the big things. That's it. Uh, you know, if he was getting on there and, and saying, I want to censor everybody, and, uh, you know, we, we'll wait and see, I would be against that. But his point seems to be uh, that he doesn't want to censor. He's bringing people back on to be part of the marketplace of ideas. And there's some people that hate those ideas a lot. And some some of them think that those ideas are dangerous, and they fall into the where they would be, wouldn't be free speech, I guess, or or would be. Against Do you think any ideas are dangerous, Zach? Any I, of them? I think human beings are dangerous. So yeah. no, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know how to. Not, <laughs> not necessarily within the hands of somebody. Uh, anything can be dangerous. I what guess. about you, Jeff? Do you think ideas, you think any idea is dangerous? I think no, that the whole idea of society is dangerous. I think that the society <laughs> the that we've of created society or society, society, <laughs> the idea of society, the rules are dangerous. Yeah, the, the rules and morals of society. You know how I feel. It goes exactly against what we are uh, in nature. Yeah. Eventually, nature's going to win every time. Entropy, baby. It's more dangerous to not discuss ideas than it is to have, uh, you know, a, we need to talk about these things. Yeah. If we don't talk about them, then bad ideas will just get good people behind them. You know, it's how a lot of things work. All right. We don't have, uh, we only have a little bit left. So, we're but that's easy. There. Reasonable's party, as far as, I mean, we're Free it speech, would be a government thing. Two thumbs up. Yeah. We're obviously going to uphold what we have now and maybe try and make it better if we could. All right, fuck this, yay this. Uh, this is being offended. Yeah, being, this falls right into what we were just talking about. Yeah. Uh, this is Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. Jeff wants to talk so, to you offended people. These are not my words, but they resonated with me. It says, being offended. Offenses taken, not given. What you take from what I have to say is your responsibility, not mine. Yes. I believe that wholeheartedly. Now I can be a cunt and intentionally hurt somebody's feelings, but at the same, it, and they might, they might get mad at me. But if at the end of the day, it's your responsibility to deal with being offended. I said what I said. If I said what I said and I meant it, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You may not like it. Figure it out on your own. Uh, Example. I was actually, uh, I was on another, it was a Facebook forum and it was some fitness thing that I'm on. And there was kind of a joke where this, it was a picture of a guy who's probably six foot, 120 pounds and just. I'm like, oh, a suboxone boy. <laughs> and it's like, how do I get a body like this? And that was my comment, suboxone and an occasional corn dog. Well, <laughs> I got some laughs out of it. It was meant to be a joke. And then somebody got on there and was super offended. Right. This guy's like, well, I look like I'm twice as big as you and I'm on suboxone so it doesn't hurt my body. And so you, I expect an apology. And I'm like, why the fuck would I apologize about something that I meant to say? Do I first know off, you? Yeah, first, <laughs> off, first off, it was funny. I thought it was funny, and jokes sometimes yeah. are risky. Yeah. First off, it was funny. Secondly, I didn't say shit about anybody being on Suboxone. It was very much, do you want that kind of body? Yeah, Suboxone and corn dogs will probably do that for you. In fact, I support people that get off heroin at, or off opiates and get on Suboxone or Subutex or Methadone or whatever. That's, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking joke. You can be offended all you want. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. That's not my problem. That is your problem to deal with it. Right. What's funny is ultimately he and I got into it, ended up talking privately, and I'm actually going to start giving him. I'm going to start helping him get off the boxing. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really awesome. kind of a cool nice. thing. Well, is great being, way for that to end. Yeah. You were offended that he was offended. 
I w- was I offended? No, I wasn't offended. I'm just, I'm just, it was just, fuck you. I'm not going to apologize for something I meant to say. Sounds pretty offended so, to me, bro. What is being offended? Uh, when you're offended, is that just displaying your morality over someone else's? Or is that... There, I guess there's a bunch of different ways to be offended. I'm trying to think about it. I'm not offended I, until I take my gauntlet and throw it upon the ground. Smack a Sabers guy. at dawn. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people that are willing to be offended on behalf of other people. That's what's weird. It's just insane. That's what's strange. Yeah, the like, Mocha Mafia, mostly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are a lot of people that want to... I guess it's, that's virtue signaling and that's all these things. I don't know. It seems to me that it's a big display of like... I've noticed that you're not as good at this life thing as me, and so I'm showing you that I'm offended by your stupidity, and I'm also telling you that, like, with this thing and, like, what we've been through with the band, it's like, I'm better than you, and let me show you how. First, you need to capitulate to me and bow to me, and then <laughs> uh, and then you can fix it, maybe. But we might just kick you off the island. Yeah, and I'm going <laughs> to teach you how to be more moral, yeah. like me. That's the vibe I get from the offense of people now. I get being offended by things that you see something that you don't want to see. Like, I can get why people would be offended by the dead animal that you might share on Facebook. A lot of people... Yeah, I don't, that's but, just, you know... Well, I, but, that's their sensibility. That's their moral priorities, and that's fucking fine with me, because I'm kind of that way. I'm not offended by it, but it's like, oh, Bambi, you know, I just like... No, oh, now, Bambi's dad. Well, oh, Bambi's dad. I don't want anybody, anybody related to Bambi to die, or the thumper, or the birds, you know. But I know where my food comes from, and I get it. So, yeah. but I get why people would be offended. I don't know why they would want to be that way for themselves, though. Like understanding how the world works would make it so you're less offended about that kind of thing. And with people talking too, it's like it's understanding that people have different moral sensibilities, moral moral priorities. Some people like collectivist life better, like living in cities and like working as one and some people like living out in the woods by themselves and it's like the people that are offended by each other don't see the moral differences i think that i I mean we've all been offended by things in our lives i'm sure i i can't think of the last time i was offended by anything but that might have to do with my career that i chose (laughs) you know i mean i'm I'm used to being called names and having people threaten to kill me etc but usually when someone's offended it's because they're offended at the truth of what's being said and they have to face something. There's yes. something that they have to face. And then that word is change. Apt. Offended isn't the word. You no. know, embarrassed or infuriated over calling them out. Or, yeah, or having, having, to, having to face something that, yeah. gee, maybe I should look at and change. I think it's yeah. perfectly normal to find some things offensive. I don't think you can yes. go through life without looking at some things and going, oh my fucking, I don't want that any. I want away from that right. and everything to do with that. That's, but if you're that's offended offensive by it, to if, me. But if you're offended yeah. by it, you don't spend all your time talking about how offended you are. You avoid it and well, just say, I, I'm not going to exactly have that as where part was, of my life. That's exactly where I was going with that is the rational response to that is to distance yourself from it. And I would also say, take a second or two or 10 to examine why you have such an aversion to that thing and it may very well be valid like maybe you have maybe you know you (laughs) maybe you're offended by it because of some experience you went through that cannot be changed and that left a mark on you and you're like i can't i just don't want to have to deal with that so i'm gonna get away from it that's fine get away get away from it but just because you're offended doesn't mean you're entitled to retribution right Right. but there are some things that might that's that's very i like that there's some things that might offend you that you might want to act on though too you know what i mean like I'm offended by certain religious practices that per, put certain people in little boxes or bags, if you will, and, and the way they treat people and stuff. And that's offensive to me. And it's like, well, what could I do to, to do something for that? Be better and speak freely about it. 
There you go. There you go. <laughs> but that so some offense maybe is good. I don't know. I but mean, at the, the end of the, the day, the term itself seems to lose meaning because of the way we're using it. Because like you just described, a lot of times that people aren't offended, they're just pissed that they're probably wrong, and that's their reaction to it. Is they I'm feel personally attacked, wrong. or I can't defend my position, which is what you find a ton of times. Which is instinctively they know they're wrong, but they just can't defend themselves. So I'm offended, and I want you shut down. <laughs> And that's like been political discourse for How five, six years. How dare you make me look? By the fool. way, the guy that yeah. I was, the guy that I was talking, he's Even actually. I am a fool. He's actually a cool cat. Is he? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Hey, I don't know what was up his ass at that particular time, but we had conversation, then more private conversation. It's funny how Did that you hear works that? too. Do you hear that, that keyword that conversation? Yeah. Conversation. Yeah, once you had say conversation, it a few more times. Yes, conversation. It was a conversation <laughs> for sure. And we go, oh, okay. Well, I get your perspective. I mean, I listened to what he had to say, and he listened to what I had to say, and then we're like, and then then I'm like, then I called him on some shit. In the conversation, I'm like, oh, this is what your deal is, isn't it? He's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's all in how you come at somebody, too. Like, I've I've been offended by people's behavior, and I've gone, and I've addressed it with them, but I didn't come at them. Like, they owed me something, for one, and I didn't come at them in an aggressive manner that, like, like I'm about to straighten you the fuck out. I came at them, like, I was like, hey, dude, we got to talk about this because this is not cool. And here's why. And mm-hmm. then we ha- proceed to have a conversation or they tell me, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> At which case I'm like, well, we tried, but I guess fuck you too. I, I, I hated that. At the end of the day, <laughs> I might be offensive to people. You, you don't have to listen to me. Yeah. You just don't. I don't know. Can you imagine being so offended by people though, that you cut them out of your life uh, when it comes to like politics and stuff like that? The way we're talking now, it's funny people are offended I, by just the ideologies. I've done it in the past and recognized it was my problem. Mm-hmm. And now some of those people are back in my life. Some of those people are also, I'm watching them change and do some positive shit. But I look at them differently now. It's like, no, they can believe what they want to believe. I don't have to believe it. They're not a bad person. This is just their makeup and that's okay. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it, it, so what it comes down to is, do I actually like the person? Do I even, should I even bother being offended by anything that they think or say? Oh, yeah. And most of the time is no. It's, it's I, not I have, deal. I have some lines that people can cross that they can't come back from. Um, but they're very, very, very few and far between. And it takes a lot of concerted effort to actually get across one of those lines for me to be like, you and I are done yeah. for good. Same. And there's no way for you to redeem yourself. And, and I, I, if I ever reach that point, I don't go back because I just, I'm, that's, it's, that's why we call it a line. We, if you cross it, we're done. Yeah. But to your point, they're, they're very, very few and far between. And I am not an easily offended person as you guys may have noticed. Yes, same. <laughs> I, I just sort of take everything in stride more or less, you know, it's just like there, there are certain things that I just cannot abide. And if you cross me there, then we're done. Yeah. So maybe if you feel that you're offended, but I'm not going to attack you, (laughs) Right. I guess I should add, you know, like I'm not going to go on the war path because of it. We'll just be done. If you're feeling offended by something before you lash out, maybe take a minute and think to yourself why you're offended. I mean, was it really just outlandish and ridiculous and nobody should be saying shit like that? Or are you offended because it's it might be true or it applies in your life and right. it's a, a struggle for you. Yeah. You should and, always, and maybe you can it. learn some more, maybe just, just resonate a few minutes before you decide to say something. Right. That's, that's true of everything. If something makes you angry. You should do that same thing. Mm-hmm. If something makes you afraid, you should do that same thing. You, know, Fuck yeah. you should always examine why, why things make you feel the way that they do and decide whether or not that's acceptable for you or not. You examine know? your life. A life left unexamined is no life at all. Correct. God damn. Right, that's, a one, nice, that's a nice little pin at the end of that <laughs> We got one last thing that we want to talk about. 
Uh, actually, we have two things that we learned this week. We learned that panic attacks are real. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we also are going <laughs> to learn about that? Operation Plum Bob. <laughs> but you want to start, Jeff? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that uh, I was sick for about a week. And that consisted of not eating for a couple days. Um, I got so dehydrated that I drank a gallon of water. I peed once that day. So that's how dehydrated. So I oh, was wow. destroying my body by not getting out of bed because right. I was sick. Um, and about day four, being cooped up in the house, I've got things going on in my life that you know I wasn't able to address because I'm sick and I was gone for a while. Things are stacking up. And I woke up after sleeping about two hours and I can remember just like right on my sternum right right at the what is this little thing called your little bone right there i don't know not your solar plexus that's a sternum sternum yeah Yeah. anyway i can remember just feeling like god did i is my esophagus pulled or something did i pull my esophagus Mm -hmm. and i i I felt this tension like from my toes to my tongue it was really weird Mm -hmm. just this like somebody was ripping something out of my chest and it felt like the world was just coming down on me for no reason Mm -hmm. and i had a legit panic attack. I didn't know, I think because of my job, I didn't know that panic attacks were real. I usually associated them with people that were on medications and stuff, which is really shitty of me, but it, <laughs> it was something that I had never dealt with, so I couldn't didn't think about it that much. I couldn't relate. And yeah. I was never a dick to anybody that were having them. I, right. just, I just didn't understand what they were going through. Right. So I got to experience it for myself. Um, and it really is, what an out of control feeling. Yeah. So here I am in my house with a fever crying uncontrollably because like it's in your body and you've got to do something with it Mm -hmm. and my first instinct is to do something physical well i couldn't do anything physical that pulling thing in your chest where everything was coming towards center that's what i'm talking about yeah Yeah, it was almost like like for some reason i had this weird click in my tongue i I couldn't just move my tongue right it was i could feel it in my mouth like Mm -hmm almost like buffering when it was trying to move, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I almost couldn't talk. Right. Anyway. So I just, here I am by myself, just bawling for no, I mean, streams of tears and I'm trying to stop. And the more I try and stop, the more I can't stop. So I end up throwing on snow gear and we had a shitload of ice and snow that I couldn't address because I was sick. So I went out and tried and I'm out about three hours chipping ice <laughs> with a shovel because it'd been walked on several times, just pouring tears out of my face for no reason with no explanation just wondering like why is this happening what is going on i mean i know i have a lot of stuff but why is this the response yeah that was so it was was, it's a very real thing yeah Yeah, um i don't want to do that again that really sucked (laughs) yeah and uh, anybody that deals with that on a regular basis uh if i haven't seemed uh compassionate enough about it fucking sorry that sucks (laughs) Yeah. That's really shitty. And now I have a perspective to draw from. So I'm glad that I had the experience. Yeah, yeah. As good. shitty yeah. as it was, and I don't want to do it again, I'm certainly glad that it happened. Now you know why I say I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that was feeling, bullshit. That feeling like it's, it's, you can't really describe it the way that it feels accurately unless you've experienced it. You just don't really and I'm just get like, it. You know? I had to accomplish something in my day at least my brain works like okay i I have to accomplish something and and i still couldn't yeah i still couldn't get the ice chipped but uh (laughs) yeah i hopefully had a really shitty day but that's not the point the point is they're real it's not just 
people who have to take medication or have pre-existing problems that can and, and i'm just as fucked up as anybody else and it can happen to me too and it can happen to you yeah. it's okay yeah. it's really okay learn from the experience yeah i think that energy has to go somewhere i've had i've had panic attacks most of my life and it kind of it's some some periods of my life it's been more frequent than others but uh it's just something that's come and gone forever and um that energy kind of has to go somewhere you know like what like when you're talking about going out and chipping away at snow while you were crying and all all that shit is super relatable to me because whenever i'm having a gnarly panic attack i have to i have to do something like that because i can't if i just sit there i feel like it will eat me alive and i'll cease to exist you know like that energy has to come out of you somehow So usually what I'll do is like, I don't know, like I, I think the last time I had a panic attack, I just like, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. Like I was just like, something's wrong in my chest and I know it's probably anxiety because I've been through this before, but it feels really bad and I'm getting tunnel vision and I can't breathe. And, and, and so I just like walked over to my chin up bar and started just <laughs> crunching out chin ups on this thing. Not because I'm like exercise will make me feel better. Cause it's not like depression. Like exercising doesn't make it go away. Unfortunately, there's nothing except just going through through it and trying to keep in mind this is just an anxiety attack it's going to pass but you have to you still have to get that fucking energy out somehow even if you just pace around or you know like you gotta do something one of the things i realize is i mean it made me recognize like i really am i'm an extremely passionate human being when i'm happy i'm really happy when i'm sad i'm really sad you don't say (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i always have to be doing something i've got to i have to occupy my body and my mind all the time and when you can't do that that created that created a huge storm inside of me that I, had, I I don't remember ever having a fever for seven days either. So mm. I'm sure there was a lot of uh, physical things going on because I wasn't eating, I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't drinking. I had a fever, you know. But it still, yeah, had it. But it still occurred, and, and yeah. Uh, yeah, ultimately it was it, somehow I was able to turn it into a good thing. Yeah. It's like yeah, well, I eventually had the experience it subsided. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a gradual, it just gradually starts? uh, It went into the next day a little bit. Really? But yeah. Yeah, I kind of get a, whenever I have a gnarly anxiety attack or panic attack, I, you kind of get a hangover from it. It's like a sort of a hangover. Like, it's just like, you get these weird little aftershocks and you'll just feel kind of off for a pretty lengthy period of time afterwards like it's not you don't feel like you're immediately going to die which is good <laughs> you nice know. new change yeah, yeah but uh but yeah it i think it it takes a it's hard on you man it takes a toll for sure so, sorry that that happened yeah, to man. you dude but i mean it was I, a good I, I, yeah it's, a I'm, I'm glad i'm glad that you're able to have a greater degree of empathy after yeah. going through it but i still wish you wouldn't have to go through it because <laughs> yeah. i know how bad it sucks i feel um, honestly i feel worse for my dad because he called well and polly you know, mm-hmm. Polly came over and she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I, I don't even know how to explain it. Yeah. Here's what it is. And so I think it's just a panic attack, but I have, and she knows all the shit I got going on in my life. Yeah. And like, it's all this. And then this on top of it and being, sick. being stagnant, not being able to do anything. I think that's what created it. Yeah. But, now of, I, but now I got to get through it. It's kind of a weird thing too, because at least in my experience, like I could be going through some stuff and then have a panic attack but it's not necessarily about the stuff that I'm going through. You know what I mean? Like I, it's like, I, I'll, I'll tell people close to me, like, Oh, I had this gnarly panic attack last night and it was a rough one. And they're like, Oh, well what's, what's bothering you? Like what's going on? I'm like, well, nothing that's any worse than should I've dealt with without having a panic attack before. Right. It just happened, you know? And 
from my one experience, I guess it's just the set of circumstances of what happened over the last month, which was a lot of good things, a lot of bad things. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was shit. I was on hunting and fishing and having a great time. Part of that was I wasn't with my dad and he'd had his surgery and, but there's just all these things going on. And I, but then when it was time to get home and get things done, I couldn't and not being able to be a doer Hmm. might've triggered probably a combination of all of that. Yeah. That's such an interesting. Yeah. I mean, your life is in a brand new place after three decades of being in one specific place. Yeah. There's probably a lot of that in there too. It's gotta be. And that was the other thing is I've decided that, you know what? I should probably go talk to somebody. Yeah. Not because I'm suicidal or or depressed, because I'm not. In fact, in my life, I've never been happier than I am now. But that doesn't mean that change doesn't bring new stresses. Big time. Things that you have to, I have to relearn how to live my life. Yeah. Because it's different. And talking to somebody that you don't know that has some training, hopefully lots of training on these kind of things is right. super valuable. Right. Well, and talking, so about, talking about you specifically too, you have more space in your life than you've had in a long fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. So like when you're, when you're busy constantly and in the game constantly, yeah, for 27 have, years, I average, you don't have the room to really unpack all that shit like it deserves, you right. know? So once you enter a period of your life, like you're in now where you got some space, that shit can kind of creep in and it's like you have to address it sooner or later you, you gotta you gotta settle that debt you know there's another thing i thought about too we'll keep him busy on jar we'll do some yeah. bonus content <laughs> we, we got you bro. on patreon <laughs> and we'll get him busy on doing a ton of things so <laughs> work you like a speed bag you know the other thing too that i thought about <laughs> is where like, i'm like a feed bag <laughs> so I'm, I'm finally in a place in my life where i where i, I have somebody in my life that i can be that vulnerable oh the sweetest thing you've ever said about me. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that, you know, maybe it was, maybe it was part of that too, where I finally got to just, Oh, there was no way you were able to do that. And they, yeah, no, in any time in my past and, and in the job, you know, I, I mean, I averaged working 40 to 60 hours overtime a month. You know, I just, I was a workaholic. Really? I remember we lived together. And yeah, uh, never saw him. I saw you what three times a week. <laughs> <laughs> about right. Yeah, <laughs> between our work schedules. All right. So anyway, the to the other part of that is two people counseling, going to talk to somebody. It's not a bad thing. Don't no, be afraid of it. Not if at all. you even consider it, go fucking do it. Yeah. Because it's probably important. And they are not. They are not fixing you. It is a third party to go talk to to help you work shit out yourself. Yeah. Don't expect them to do it for you. You still have to do the work. But don't tolerate expert them advice. if they suck at their job. Either. Right. That too. But they're likely an expert and definitely give them a chance. Yeah. So, but, you know, some people suck at their jobs. True. All right. Last little bit true. of our little just ride number 23, Michael Jordan. Operation Plum Bob. Operation Plum Bob. This so you, has to do you with You guys haven't heard stuff. of this, huh? Uh-uh. I, ha- I hadn't either until this week, obviously, because it's the things I learned this week. But it's, it's short and sweet, and I thought it was fucking awesome. So... Operation Plum Bob uh, was a series of nuclear tests back in uh, late 1957. I am reading here. Is this when they blew up the the stratosphere? No. Okay. Um, Well, it has to do with the stratosphere, but no, it wasn't. It's not the thing you're thinking of. All right. So um, (laughs) there's some background to this that I'm going to skip because I want to get to the the meat and potatoes here. But... um, this dude in 1956 named Dr. Robert Brownlee um, from New Mexico was asked to examine whether nuclear detonations could be conducted underground. 
So this was going to be the first subterranean test of a, of a nuclear device known as the Pascal A. So they put it 500 feet down a borehole um, and capped the top because the thinking was, oh, we'll just put it way down there, put a put a big old steel cap on the top, and yeah. that'll contain this nuclear explosion. I wish they would have had a YouTube video, YouTube at the time, for us to S- see this. So they took a video of this, of course actually. They did. <laughs> Cameras were not as good then as they are now, no, sadly. Yeah. So, But uh, we'll get to why that's important. So this, the detonated yield of this nuclear bomb ended up being 50,000 times greater than they anticipated. Whoops. Whoa. 50,000 <laughs> 50, times? 50,000 times greater than they were expecting. Were in, they standing in the explosion? In this, no. Jesus. No. Not a sad story, just a wild story. Um, so so, that so 500, feet, moon or 500 feet down, 50,000 <laughs> times bigger of an explosion and they were than, expecting than they were a expecting. nuclear explosion yeah they were yeah. expecting a nuclear explosion uh-huh. underground I'm, I'm sitting here reading this going 500 feet is that really is that enough nope. <laughs> like, Not with, no. even if it was the blast you were expecting you thought 500 feet with I the know. fucking coke bottle top on it was gonna <laughs> do it so so they they welded this uh, 2000 pound steel plate cap big old piece of armor plate on the top of of this borehole, it hit the moon, didn't it? And and uh, to his credit, Doctor Brownlee predicted that the cap wouldn't work. No shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, mm, I don't think that's gonna do it. They're like, well, we already got the plate welded on anyway. So when when Pascal B was detonated, the blast went straight up the test shaft, as one would guess, mm-hmm. launching the cap into the atmosphere at a speed of more than 66 kilometers per second. So that's 41 that's miles sound. per second. That's 150,000 miles per hour, bro. <laughs> that this fucking 2,000 pound steel cap got fucking launched into the that's yeeted, like one might say, into yes. the stratosphere. Is that a mock? This must be mock something, right? <laughs> I have I to look know. that up. I don't know what mock, where mock starts, but the, yeah. And the plate was... What's the speed of sound? That must have broke the sound barrier easily. Yeah, right? dude, but like can you just flash. imagine this... Because yeah. jet, jets break that, and they don't go 150,000 miles an hour. Right. So they go like 3,000 miles, or yeah. seven, a thousand miles. I don't even know how far. I don't know anything about Light the, the speed, world Light speed, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go learn some things about this. So so the they never found the plate. Um the most popular opinion amongst this amongst the scientific community is that uh, compression heating caused it to vaporize. <laughs> I'd be cool if it didn't. But there is a small chance that there's this charred steel plate from this nuclear blast that oh. we set off in '57. Up in you know that still hurtling through the void of space, or <laughs> maybe maybe it hit a planet or something by maybe, now. <laughs> maybe it got it stuck in our atmosphere somehow. Yeah, and it's maybe. it's that black night that have you heard of that satellite that that goes around the Earth. <laughs> Allegedly, it's like one yeah. of those ancient aliens things. Maybe that's it. It's just the blast cap. <laughs> it just got fucked our, up. Our bad. Yeah, that's so crazy. So imagine uh, if like an airplane was flying over that. Or I don't know. Just any. That doesn't seem safe, guys. What right. are we doing on this planet? <laughs> right. Just like let's fuck around. Yeah, that's the kind of shit they do in Nevada. So leave uh, the stratosphere alone, Nevada. <laughs> fuck. So um, they had a camera on it and after the detonation they checked it and it only appeared in one frame they had to go frame by frame and it only appeared in one frame because it was cooking so fast and uh and 
fucking Dr. Brownlee joked that the best estimate of the cover's speed from photographic evidence was it was, quote, going like a bat. <laughs> Maybe a little faster than a bat. It was 57. Come on. <laughs> Fair enough. That's the fastest thing we've ever seen is bat. <laughs> yeah. So so that's cool. Operation Plum Bob just Fuck. blew that fucking... That was the best Coke and Mentos experiment yeah, That's on what I was thinking the whole scale. time, too. Like, will the cap work? Well, I mean, if you got enough Coke, man, enough Mentos, no. All right, so this is Jar 23. Thank you, guys. This has been fun. Yeah. Let's let's do our last thing, and this is uh, the Patreon. We're going to roll fun. out. We're going to do the old classic shout-out yes. on, our, on our Patreon supporters so far. Um, and again, thank you guys. It's, this is super fucking cool of you to support us when we don't even have Patreon yeah, rewards yeah, set yeah. up yet. One more thing about me being <laughs> sick. I didn't uh, check the emails for like a week. Yeah. Oh. And so I got some of the emails be and I was you. like, <laughs> I looked and I was oh. like, what the f- What's going on here? People actually listen to us? Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. And they I, want to? Oh I my just, God. I just assume we're sitting here shouting into the void, except for the people that yell at me on Discord sometimes. <laughs> Screw both With of love. you for, for thinking my audience With is love. massive. It's massive. It's massive. No. It's huge, you could say. It's only mine. So I'm going to go through this this list, and uh, if if anybody just did it, I might, I might miss it. But otherwise, I'm going to try to get all of you. I'm going to butcher probably most of your names. But uh, here we go. A shout out to our patrons. Boom. We've got uh, Nicole Ty Cobb, Apo Daka, which was the number one, first in the door. Oh, Nicole? Yeah. Yep, Nicole, first in there. So Thank you, Nicole. Super super props to you, Nicole. Um, Lynn Hoagland. Yay. We oh. got uh, Kyle, just Kyle. 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 I want to interrupt. So you can't interrupt, dude. I'm on a roll. <laughs> Nicole, she keeps showing pictures of dogs, and I keep thinking that they're her dogs, but I believe they're all her clients, correct? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> She's got 800 dogs. Like, Let us know. They're Let all us really know, cute. Nicole. <laughs> Explain <laughs> yourself. Where did you get all the dogs? <laughs> well, I believe she's a groomer. Is she? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. oh is it that, Nicole? Yeah. From here? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yep. <laughs> I didn't even put that together. I'm like, I don't know anybody's last name. Sorry, <laughs> Nicole. Thank you. Love you. <laughs> all right. Lynn. Thank you, Lynn. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Lynn Hoagland. Kyle. We got Deja Arnold. Hey, Deja. Deja. Hey, Arnold. Deja and I both have a love for uh, Motley Crue, and she got to meet Nikki Six. And Shout that is, I'm super jealous of that. I, I, I yeah, that is that super happen. cool. I got a Motley Crue. I would love to meet Nikki Six now. Like, That's even, what I'm saying. Even more than back then, I'd like to meet him now. You know, but uh, we got Anthony Harrington. Hunter Bilbro. Not guys. I almost said Bilbo, but I caught it. Oh, uh, we got. Okay, now now we're, I knew we were going to get into some weird ones. We've got Tracy 999-ish. 999-ish. All one word, plus plus numbers. Nice. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. Uh, I used got, to live in a city named after you. <laughs> Tracy. Ashley McIntyre. Oh, hey, Ashley. Donald Fisher. Donald Fisher. Oh, of course, course, Don's coming in clutch. We've got Mike. Oh, so ooh, I almost... That would have been a bad one. We got Michelle. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Michelle Betts. Sorry, I almost called you hey, Michael. Michelle. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. Uh, Kelly Geiger. A lot of these folks. Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. A lot of these folks been on the Ice Walls mission with us. That's yeah. Very, very kind of y'all. Uh, Soul Trouble. Coolest na- coolest uh, username, sorry, to everybody cool. else, but I like that one. Ooh, uh, <laughs> this one's pretty good, though, too. Anunnaki War Lord David. <laughs> <laughs> or as Dan that's, would call that's it, David, Anun- David, David? Anunnaki. 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 <laughs> Is that local, David? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Unless he's uh, moonlighting as an Anunnaki warrior, then I don't know about it. Could which be. is possible. You yeah. never know. 
that's a time suck thing is basically what that is that's yeah what he's mm-hmm. saying. we got space lizards in the house space lizards rolling in left the door open that's what happens mm-hmm. <laughs> we got ryan ryan shelton and uh jess johnson thank you jess and the most recent one according to my notifications which are probably wrong would be one red dragon skull one yeah, red yeah. dragon skull what's up thank you thank you thank you i have not been on discord for a while either i should probably jump back on there yeah i've been keeping it warm for you, you uh yeah you run that <laughs> do i better than i do no, no the shitbox wizard <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he knows how to run shit yeah he runs it i, I just, still i just i just play in his litter form. box <laughs> <laughs> well thank you to the shitbox wizard and to our trusted turd triad of chris the discord dookie slayer and uh, of course Bodhi, the quartermaster and then don yeah. and don was in uh the last two weeks he's been on post-apocalyptica he's wearing a mask and talking in the yeah. show he's one of our speaking characters now awesome um but yeah, thank you guys for that. And just a ride pod at gmail.com is how you get a hold of us. Yeah. Patreon.com forward slash just ride. I'm not sure even. You're going to have to look it up. I don't know. I think so. I don't know. I th- I'm pretty if sure. If you Google it, you might find it. <laughs> we appreciate you. We'll get you. better at this, we swear. We appreciate you guys that have, have negotiated it. So yeah, just ride standing alone as a Patreon thing yeah. outside of Scatcast. And some of you guys are doing both. That's crazy. It blows my mind. As these guys were saying, it's. We started doing this just for fun, and it's yeah. been a lot of fun. Super fucking generous, <laughs> a lot more you guys. Fun. We appreciate it. We we won't let it go to waste. We're everything we get. We're just gonna use it to make this better. And yes, and more fun. Oh yeah, and we're gonna buy toilet paper. Toilet paper as much as we can. Yeah, lots All of toilet paper. Of <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, thank you for being here, and we'll we'll see you next week. And as always, we'll talk at you in the future. It'll seem like the present. It'll be like a present that you get. You like unpack. a present? It's a gift from us. Give you. It's just a ride. Bing, bong, bleh.